0: doesn't hurt me? Do you wanna feel how it feels? Do you wanna know, know that it doesn't hurt me? Do you wanna hear about
1: uh running up that hill i think some of y'all might recognize that from stranger things which had its season four finale this week we're gonna talk about it uh i know some people are uh hopefully hopefully excited to talk about it let me put up some b-roll and let's uh let's get this party started so <clears throat> i am Kai Zen. I am operating on zero sleep because last night I was on Soul Citizens, and then as I was crawling into bed, they called me to work and said, Hey, how would you like to drive to Boston and back? Fun times! I have not slept. I have eaten a little. I have had more than a few drinks. I just got home from work from a monster day, like, I don't know, like two hours ago, and immediately started prepping this show uh it's been one of those days with me tonight we've got my xo wolf dragon in the house say hello to the beautiful people wolf and tell them what you're drinking i'm drinking dragon's milk and six and twenty by the way because i got a bottle of uh, waiting for me on my doorstep when i got home today from uh six and twenty
2: hell yeah project hell yeah from a bottle of <coughs> Roha Ooh I don't know <coughs> Oh yeah
1: Oh um. yeah and we've got tweaked in the house hey tweaked what you drinking what kind of fancy schmancy coffee you got tonight brother God damn! I gotta love that guy, God damn, I love that we have yes, sir
2: uh, what say something again
1: yeah, you're not coming across. Hold on, that is a problem let me we gotta we gotta fix this right now. Hold on one second. Uh okay. If I go to this and then I do this.
2: Try speaking now. Hi. Hi.
1: Oh. Nope, you're not coming through. What the hell is going on here? Hold on one second. Um <clears throat> That the uh, Houston comms are fucked. Yes, this 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 would seem to be correct. Uh, there it is. Why is that list? Why is that muted? Green room is muted. What the hell? Try talking now. Okay, it's not lighting up. I remember how control assisted with changing some of the sound stuffs. I'm not. Hold on. I'm not hearing. You guys aren't showing up. Nope. All right. We're going to fix this. Uh, bear with us. I'm very, very sorry. We made some changes to the stuff and it's apparently a problem now. Um,
2: <clears throat> Hold on.
1: All right, try saying something now. Nope. Nope, you guys are not coming through on the little thing. Why the... What the hell did he change that all of a sudden now we've lost Discord green room voice activity? <clears throat>
0: oh,
1: okay. Yeah, no, no. You can hear on Discord, but they can't hear you guys on the stream. Uh. Hold on monitor no monitor an output oh come on there was an echo thing that was causing a little bit of a edge case problem and in fixing that echo we seem to have deleted all of you guys from so like literally it just sounds like i'm doing a show by myself which nobody wants to hear me talk hold on uh, i'm sorry guys bear with me for just a minute <clears throat> How the fuck do I global settings? Uh, use monitoring device sample rate desktop audio mic auxiliary mic auxiliary mic auxiliary disabled. audio monitoring device music. Um, if we change this to chat,
2: close that. All right, talk guys. Uh, I don't know. Chat, people in chat, you tell me. Do you hear? Can hear us? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, shit. I don't know.
1: Uh, go on, Kai. Four hours of stand up. <laughs> Jesus. <Jeez. laughs> All right. Uh, uh Krithak, uh, Bad New, and uh, fucking. Human walk into a bar. Negatory. All right. Let's troubleshoot this shit. Mm. Desktop audio. Advanced sound options. Green room voice activity. It's listed as monitor and output.
2: <clears throat> Global settings. um desktop audio device there's a 10 to 20 second delay kai
1: Disabled. yeah that's but normal but they they would have heard you guys at some point uh, um yeah but it shouldn't
3: should it no, be no,
0: echoing?
3: that's that's normal it's there's supposed okay. to be a delay between us talking and it going out on stream
1: Wait,
3: okay, wait, 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 hang on. He's saying he's saying did he's I, fixed. I've
1: been, I've been doing it. I've been fucking with shit. Did did one of the buttons that I I'm a monkey hitting buttons here, so I don't know. I'm a drunk man on no sleep. Hello? Alright, um you guys uh wolf, say a number. Seven. Alright. Why would you pick the most op- never mind. Hey guys, type in when you heard what the number was. Okay, it's perfect. You monkeyed with the right button. Yay! Okay. Um, now I'm scared to change it off of the Star Citizen of, well, okay. Guys, please, uh, beautiful, immediately in chat, because I might, if I go to press a thing, like to switch, I think I fixed the audio, but it might be only that I fixed it when we're playing the Star Citizen B-roll. If we go to anything else and all of a sudden you just hear me talking like an asshole and nobody else... Please say something in chat, and and Wolf, listen in through the fucking thing and and let me know. Like, just play it low in the background.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm listening to it now. If you want to swap over to run really quick, we can see. Yeah, sure.
1: Alright, let me switch to Romanski. Alright, Wolf, talk.
3: Alright, I'm talking. I haven't seen it transfer over yet, but we'll see what happens. That works. It works. I see it. I hear it.
1: Okay, cool. I think maybe I I don't I don't know what I'm doing, but we'll just accept the win. Even though I, I've literally was just as Juki Bomb, uh is in the chat, yeah, I'm just a fucking I'm a monkey smacking a keyboard. I don't I hit a bunch of stuff and I was like, Turn this, turn this, whatever. Um I'm sure it'll break later. Alright, let's get on with the show. We got um I introduce Wolf, I introduce Tweaked. We've got Shadow Wyvern in the house. Say hello to the beautiful people, Shadow Wyvern. Shadow Wyvern is our Nomansky researcher, one of them. Hello, beautiful people. And what you drinking tonight, brother? Water. That's a good choice. And we've got Chad Lozan in the house from the Star Citizen research community. Chad, what you drinking
4: tonight, brother? A Diet Green Tea Pineapple Mango from Lipton
1: jesus christ i'm surrounded by women
4: uh yeah that's (laughs) awesome
1: and uh i'm sorry i i i I have i have reasons i cannot drink alcohol i'm i literally it's when we started having tech issues i just popped the cork on this bottle of six and twenty uh carolina roja and i'm just drinking straight from the bottle the the beers are gone (laughs) at this point but i have more in the freezer so here we go uh and we have special guests who i just invited on the fly Winter mute, we're gonna cause I, I need you to when we get to the Nomansky section, we're gonna talk about the expedition, brother. How you doing? And what you drinking? Uh,
5: well, I've got water. Sorry, Kai. Um, but that's I all was good. But earlier, Hey, but earlier, I was trying the new Guinness co- coffee flavoured beer. Oh nice. Yeah. It's not. It's not, believe me, it's not.
1: Oh, that's that's sad, man. I love Guinness. I love Guinness over there. Guinness over here. People who haven't been stationed over in the UK. When you drink American Guinness, you're like, you don't know. Like no they, give you, they give you the not good Guinness.
5: Well, this is a new beer that apparently was sold in the U.S. before it was sold here. It's actually a coffee-flavored fl- coffee beer, but it is actually brewed in Ireland.
1: <clears throat> Why would you have coffee-flavored Guinness? Because Guinness already is oatmeal, so just enjoy it as o- a bowl of oatmeal and call it good. Yeah,
5: but it's a beer, not a stout.
1: Right on, right on. Whoa, Griffin Gaming in the house. Griff, come join us, brother. You're al- you know you're always welcome. Um all right. Let's talk. Well, first off, let's go through real quick. I want to go through and salute all of the fucking beautiful people that came and joined us tonight. We've got, uh, let's see here. Looking through, looking through. Here we go. We've got Wintermute. We've got Elix Whitehall. Hello, hello. Abyssinian. Hello. Raxless Maxla, mwah! Big kiss to you. We got Juki Bomb, my absolute favorite developer. How you doing, my girl? <laughs> yeah. We got. Uh, let's see, Misfit Tweet. We got BC. Hello, hello. Shadow Wyvern, of course. Happy Friday, Friday, reprobates! Jukey bomb. We got whip block. Uh, we got BC. Doo, 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 doo. Going through, going through,
2: going through. Extreme tuber seven. J. Sheep postmodernist. Whip soul ripper hello hello
1: low 200 my brother going through going through all the people chatting most of this was like helping us with sound help uh wow all these people I love all of you guys for trying to help us not trying for actually helping us with the sound tech issues. Um <clears throat> going through scrolling, 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 scrolling.
2: Then we get the graph What up? We
1: got axe. Crazy Shack 48 yo project six seventy five thank you for so much for the liquor that you sent me.
2: I am drinking it All right,
1: uh that ludicrously strong stuff that Sanderling loves uh i you know what actually uh yeah. Get a little uh, knock and do, the little black hill. Woo! You drink that scotch straight, and you start seeing triple. All right. I think I said hello to everybody. I love you all. If I miss you in the chat, just know that that's because I love you most, and I don't want everybody else to get jealous. Ah, So what are we going to cover tonight? We're going to talk about some real-life science, NASA loses and then regains contact with Capstone. What makes Starship so good? This is going to be hilarious because I did not prep this. I don't have assets ready. I'm just going to be talking out my ass. we got <laughs> Thing-A-Week TV shows. There was a bunch of season finales. We got Obi-Wan, Stranger Things, The Man Who Fell to Earth, Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, and a tie-in to two shows that didn't do season finales, but fuck it. I want to talk about them the orville and new horizons and for all mankind thing a week game we showed you trailers and stuff for uh subnautica but i've actually been playing it a good bit this week and i want to talk about it uh i'm going to ask what everybody's been reading this week on the book discussion we're going to talk about no the expedition and stuffs and star citizen all of the weekly news all of this and more so stay tuned I didn't have time to program the button for the plug, so blah, 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 subscribe, like, blah, push buttons to... What is it called? Uh, pro Patreon? I don't know. Donate? Whatever. Fuck it. Let's go. Subscribe if you want. Who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? Let's start with real-life science. NASA loses communication with Capstone shortly thereafter uh, it is delivered by... Rocket Lab into space. So Rocket Lab is a launch company from New Zealand that is launching light uh, rockets, like small payloads for dedicated uh, missions. Uh, It is beautiful. Um, I'm not going to be trolled by you, Soul Ripper. Not going to be trolled by you. (laughs) Uh, Never mind. Um... They regained, so, so basically, I'm sorry, we have no assets for this. We'll have assets next week. NASA launched with uh, um, Rocket Lab from New Zealand. They put Capstone into a near rectilinear haler over, we'll explain that in a minute. <clears throat> they started it along that process, but then they lost comms with it for like two, three days. And it was very, very scary because, literally, like they needed to reestablish contact so that they could give uh, um, the the transition instructions for the satellite to Capstone to execute maneuvers to go into the NRHO. They lost contact for a couple of days and then thank you Jesus they reestablished contact were able to give uh, the insertion commands for the the modified uh, uh, translation orbit uh, burn and Capstone executed the burn and They now have full contact and they have good telemetry. Everything is on course. This is huge. Now, for those who don't understand, like you might have been hearing NRHO or near rectilinear halo orbit. And I know, like, it's believe me, I'm a child, I'm a grown ass child. And when you hear rectal, you're like, is this the asshole? No. Let me explain. A near rectilinear halo orbit. First off, there is no rectal, like, asshole in this. It's rectilinear, one word. A near rectilinear halo orbit. Near, it's almost. Rectilinear, imagine if you throw a ball straight up in the air and then catch it. It's rectilinear. It's almost a straight line up and down it's not quite a straight line up and down so there's several types of orbits the orbit that we always think of is a circular orbit just you go in a circle around a point that's an orbit there is also uh elliptical orbits which is kind of like a smooshed circle where it kind of goes in a circle but it's not a perfect circle it's an ellipse Then there's a near rectilinear orbit, which is not an ellipse, but it's more of a smooshed ellipse with lines that kind of go straight up and down so that it comes very close to an object on one end and then kind of almost goes in a straight line down and then comes back up. And then there's halo. A halo orbit means any orbit that involves a Lagrange point or Lagrange point. I, I don't know what the proper, like if half the time you hear a scientist explain it, they say Lagrange, half the time they say Lagrange, potato, potato, who fucking knows? Orbit means you're circling a thing. So let me explain real quick what a near rectilinear halo orbit is and why it's important. So put your fist out right in front of you right now as you're listening to this. <clears throat> and take your, t- take your left hand, make a fist. Take your right hand and circle that. Like put your finger out, your index finger, and circle it from left to right in little circles. That is the kind of orbit we've done to the moon before. All of the Apollo missions were orbits that le- went around the moon... Imagine that it was like a, like a 3D clock, but looking at it from the top down, and your finger is going around the moon. Now, most of the time, you can see the, the, the point of your finger, your index finger, because most of the time, it's to the right of the moon, in front of the moon, or to the left of the moon. But sometimes, your finger, as you go around, goes behind the moon. And when the point of your finger goes behind the moon, you can't see it. And that's a problem because two things. Number one, the solar panels are dark because it's behind the moon, so there's, it's not seeing the sun. And you can't see the point of your finger because it's behind the moon, so you can't communicate with it. So when we did all of the Apollo missions we had these blackout, that's what they call it, blackout times where you can't communicate with the satellite or the spaceship because it's behind the moon, so you have no direct line of sight to it. So they call it LOS, loss of LOS which is line of sight or loss of signal. You can't see it, you can't talk to it. So what we're doing differently now is put your left hand your fist out as far as you can and instead just imagine that the the the, your right hand imagine that it is a clock so it starts at 12 o'clock and goes all the way around don't actually do it it's a pain in the balls at this point but just imagine it at no time do you lose sight of your index finger your imaginary the big hand the point of the big hand of the clock that your fist is the center of that clock at no time do you not see it so that would be a perfectly circular orbit that goes around the moon but instead of going around the moon like left to right in a circle it goes around the moon top to bottom in a circle but to save fuel We're going with a near rectilinear, so a almost up and down. So now imagine that that circle is a smooshed ellipse that kind of goes over the, just very close over the top of the moon and very far down over the bottom of the moon. But it's a smooshed kind of ellipse that's skinny on the sides. It's near rectilinear. It's almost straight up and down, but it's not quite and it's a halo orbit. What does a halo orbit mean? That means that it involves, so the three-body problem says when you're doing uh, gravitational rotations around multiple objects, that the difference of the masses of those two objects make for like weird math on how that works out. So what we're using it, it doesn't go, like, the moon isn't at the center of the ellipse. The 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 capstone is going to go very close to the North Pole. It almost touches your fist. It's very, very, very close to the North Pole. Super close. And when I say super close, I mean, literally, the NRHO orbit that we're using is that it's going... Um, Shit, I'm trying to remember now. And I'm a little drunk. It goes within... I think three... Less than 3,000 meters of the north pole of the moon. Which is where we want to get super close to because that's where we think there's ice. And ice can be used... It can be mined to make... You separate out... the It's frozen H2O. You separate out the hydrogen along with the helium three that's in the regolith of the moon and you can make rocket fuel and thus so it comes very close to the top of the moon and then at the bottom it shoots far 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 down and it goes to the earth lunar l2 which is the lagrange point two where it's the it's a spot There's multiple spots. There's three Lagrange points between the Earth and the Moon where the gravity of the two is sort of equal. So by going to that spot, it goes far south of the Moon, like over 70,000 kilometers south of the Moon, to a spot that's actually fairly close and not that hard to get to from Earth. So... I've explained what near rectilinear is. It's almost a straight up and down line, so it's a smushed ellipse, way smushed ellipse. Instead of going around the moon left to right where we lose sight of it, it goes up to like top to bottom so that we never lose sight of it and it never loses uh, the ability to generate electricity through solar panels. It's a halo orbit, so it goes between the moon Real close to the North Pole of the Moon, and then the South End is 70,000 kilometers away at the Lagrange Point 2 of Earth and the Moon. So the spot where the, the gravity between the Earth and the Moon sort of cancels out. So that it's easy for us to send rockets to there cheaply. So that is what a near rectilinear halo orbit, or NRHO, is. It does not involve buttholes, even a little bit. I think a lot of people have been saying near rectal lunar a, uh, halo orbit and having no clue what that means. I wanted to take a minute and explain it to people. Did I explain that well, or do I just sound like a gibbering idiot at this point, guys? Sounds
3: good yes. to me. It sounds like the, um, a further application of uh, a couple of the <coughs> orbits uh, that we use. Uh, one for the Iridium Satellite Network when that was, I think it's still a thing, actually, which covered um, North America and Canada, and I think it went down as, as far as the top of uh, South America, but also um, Japan has a couple of their own special GPS satellites that mm-hmm. sit, in an orbit that draws basically a straight line up and down over japan such that the satellite it's it's more than one but that constellation is essentially looking straight down so that Mm -hmm. as you're walking along uh the streets of say tokyo or kyoto where there's huge buildings and it's like you have this little patch of sky that you can see a damn thing your gps still works
1: yeah so we definitely do also use geostat orbits and rectilinear halo no sorry rectilinear orbits not halo but rectilinear orbits of the earth such that and and like you might say like why does somebody want to use that orbit because it puts you over one spot on a planetary body i.e the earth or in this case the moon where you get really really close you can see a lot we want to get really really close to the North Pole because we want to find where the deposits of ice are that are in crevices that we can mine <clears throat> to make rocket fuel. And then it gets you really far from the thing so that you can use your really good cameras to kind of get a good image of the whole thing. So when you're close, you get way better details but way less surface area. When you're far, you get less good details but way more surface area. So. Also, by doing this, this is super, super important. We can launch rockets on the cheap because they only have to go to the Earth-Lunar-Lagrange Point 2, which is cheap to get to for us from Earth, and then the orbit will take them through the Gateway Station, and they'll just ride along with that for free. And then drop off when they get very, very close to the North Pole. So, instead of, imagine, <clears throat> instead of running 10 miles to go from your house to a friend's house, imagine if you could run two blocks and then hop in an Uber that was going to drive you for free to the, your friend's front yard. And then you hopped out. You save a lot of fuel or less running by just traveling a short distance to the closest approach to Earth and then riding for free and getting off a short distance from the closest approach to the Moon. So that's what a near rectilinear halo orbit or NRHO is. I've heard it so many times in the news in the last week or two and people just say it and they say it like it's near rectal like asshole linear like there's those are two separate words that's one word that's not supposed to be two separate words halo orbit and a lot of times they even leave out halo they just say near rectal linear orbit and it's like oh that's not what it is so that's what it is uh probably some of you want 10 minutes of your life back but fuck it I'm a nerd now you know um All right, oh, where are we are in the show notes? Real life science, what makes Starship so good? Uh, next week, when I have more time to prep, I'm going to give you a better, we're going to do uh, uh, the faces of the engineers of Mount Rushmore of rocket science. But for this week, let me just explain that Starship, so some people might think like, oh, Starship, it's a rocket like all the other rockets, but it's way, way bigger. No, it's not. First off, it, it's a Methalox rocket, which uh, the U.S. or sorry, nobody in the world has ever launched a Methalox uh, rocket to orbit. Um, it is a full flow stage combustion engine. Now, let me explain real briefly what that is. <clears throat> the Soviets made the a whole series of rockets that were closed-cycle, oxidizer-rich combustion engines. Which So basically what that means is it's not like a regular rocket, but it preheats the oxidizer. It, it has a pre-burn. So you pre-burn the oxidizer, then you shoot out hot oxygen gas into the engine to mix with the fuel, and that gives you a way better rocket... Than if you hadn't done that. NASA didn't believe that that was possible. They literally thought the Russians were lying. And it wasn't until the Soviet Union collapsed in the 90s that we went to the Ukraine and to the Soviet, uh, some former Soviet republics, and literally bought their engines because they were like, bullshit, the Soviets are lying. And they were shocked to find out that what the Soviets had done, because NASA didn't believe it was possible. What they had done is they had made some special alloys, some metals that could work the turbines in the preheater that were strong enough to actually not melt when you blasted hot oxygen gas at them. So the Soviets had this in the 60s. NASA didn't believe it was possible So what they did was instead they made a different closed-cycle engine, which was a fuel-rich pre-burn closed-cycle engine. So what they had done was made one where it pre-cooks the fuel. Now... Because the Soviets had an oxidizer rich, they were able to do it with JPX. They were able to do it with straight, uh, a a Carolux, a kerosene rich engine with their pre burn on oxygen. The Americans, because we didn't have the ability, like we didn't believe it was possible, we made a fuel rich engine. So we couldn't use Carolux. We couldn't use uh, that. We had to instead use uh way more expensive uh we had a a uh, what hydrogen oxidizer with way 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 more expensive derivative fuels that you know the russians just honestly they were way better at this what elon has done so so SpaceX made their own alloy. They call it SX500. That gets to 800 bars in the nozzle. Like it's it's crazy the amount of pressure they can get. So what they do is they have an oxidizer rich the way the Soviets had with their special alloy, which is actually better than what the Soviets had. Um so the the, the Russians had RD-270 rocket engine back in the 60s, but it wasn't as good as what SpaceX is doing now obviously. they're taking all of the best Soviet stuff, but with better alloys, and all of the best closed cycle for the fuel stuff that the the Americans did, but they have figured out a more streamlined way to do it. And what you end up with is an engine that no one, like no one has ever launched a closed, a, a full flow, stage combustion engine into orbit. The Americans tried it, Rocketdyne tried it uh with their um what is it? Their Agrojet the they had an integrated power unit and they basically had it onto the test stands in the 2000s and then said this is too hard, there's no point. The Soviets tried it with N1 and then said, "You know what? This is too hard. They had a Catastrophe with theirs, and said we give up. So basically, and I know probably people are like fucking get on to talking about Star Citizen, okay? But like the the long and short of it is, no one's ever put a Methalox engine into orbit. This is huge, because Methalox engines you can farm the fuel that you need from the atmosphere of Mars. You can literally, very very easily. Use the 95% carbon dioxide um, um, atmosphere of Mars to make uh, um, methalox fuel for your return trip. And no one has ever done a full-flow stage combustion engine other than in testing. Both the Soviets and the Americans failed at it. This is going to be... It's going to burn more efficiently, cleaner, and with fuel that we can mine on Mars super easily. This is, I know this sounds like some nerd shit that you're like, why would I care? Basically, the long and short of it is, this is the magic bullet that makes rocket engines super cheap, super clean, and free fuel on Mars. Again, I don't know if I went off into the weeds. Anybody have any comments? Anybody want to add in on this?
6: No, No, I mean. To me, this is all the new kind of stuff we need to advance forward. (laughs) I mean, all the technology through the years when it was breaking, people were like, oh, that's crazy. That's not going to work. And there was always naysayers. So you don't know until you try it. And this could be a good step towards having a renewable resource to keep us fueled out there.
1: I so I know Wolf probably is like, Yeah, dude, you're telling me. Sh- I used to work at NASA, you're telling me shit I already know. But for you people that didn't work at NASA, did my explanation make sense or did it sound like a bunch of gibberish?
7: Made sense to me.
1: All right, so I think
6: it made total sense.
3: I, I think the important thing to note here is that, um, you know, you look at SpaceX's notable accomplishments, um, Reusable rocket boosters with the whole pogo landing or the hover slam or the suicide burn, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they, you know, we know they didn't come up with that. That was a, a design that was demonstrated that it could work um, by, I believe, it was Boeing. But they just didn't see any viability in it whatsoever. And well, here's why they took it and they made it viable.
1: There's no need. again, there's no, there's no need to reset to you reuse your shit when you just build that na- Boeing. Their yep. answer to everything just is, bill is NASA. just build NASA for <laughs> new shit and throw it away.
3: Yeah. Yep. So again, this is another one of those things of you know we we know chemical compositions with with uh, a lot of our science that is being done by the the various rovers on the red planet um, and making this work is important. You know, may, maybe it's not so important for actually launching from <coughs> Earth. But, if we're going to set up something on Mars, we're not going to take fuel to Mars. That's dumb. You don't Mm -hmm. take fuel with you to burn elsewhere. You manufacture fuel, and you re-up, and you go. Um, This makes total sense for that, and if we can make that happen, and there's any benefits we can get terrestrially from it to help out our own near-Earth stuff, fuck yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm super super excited. The other thing, and I know okay, again, this is going to get off into the nerd weeds here, but there's a thing in rocket science called enthalpy, and enthalpy just talks about the ratio between the volume of your fuel that you have, the pressure that you have, and the temperature that you cook it at. And just just trust me on this, because if I were to explain this, it would literally take like three hours, but and and I'm not smart enough to do it right but just know this <clears throat> with the SX500 alloy that they're using for the precooks and the the they they're using special alloys in the nozzles and <clears throat> the fact that you're doing a full flow stage combustion so you're literally pre-cooking both the oxidizer and the fuel you end up with a better volume to pressure to temperature ratio you can get so basically rocket science is just throw shit out the back and newton's law says if you throw shit out the back hard enough you'll go forward harder so that's enthalpy like in fucking monkey terms with doing a full flow stage combustion so pre-cooking both the oxidizer and the fuel and the alloys that they're using in both the nozzle and the precooks, you can get way more ISP, way more fuel efficiency. Let's say miles per gallon. Imagine that your rocket is a car. Your ISP is your miles per gallon, it's how efficient your engine is. This engine is like. I'm I'm not even shitting you. It's like five times more efficient than anything that the Soviets or the Americans have ever made. I want to get into next week maybe I don't know if you guys don't get too bored. Tip to please say in the comments if you're super bored and while fucking not dive into this. But if you're not there's some cool shit that there's a bunch of small rocket uh uh, companies are doing right now one of which is a british company where they're literally and when i say small i mean small rockets super small rockets they're sending up hot air balloons to get like super super high so that you need way less boost vector for your like way less bars like way less boost uh, uh, kilonewtons to get your first stage, your single stage, up. Like there's some really cool ideas for small rocket engines. There's, there's. I know you might think like, oh well, there's NASA and then there's Russia and then there's SpaceX. No, China is doing some really cool shit. Um, there's, uh, um, there's a company called uh, Relativity. That is doing amazing shit with uh, uh uh fully 3D printed rockets, and it's two engineers that used to be senior engineers at uh, Blue Origin for for Jeff Bezos that they quit because his shit was like fucked. Blue Origin, their H4 rockets are like four years overdue at this point. Those those poor guys that bought their rockets are like, where the hell are my you know Cygnus? Like, where the hell is my shit? Rocket Lab out of New Zealand is doing amazing shit. Um, there's a company, I, I, oh fuck, Endrol or something out of Norway is doing amazing shit. There's three different companies out of the UK, Britain, that are doing amazing shit. Um, you've got two different companies in Germany that are doing, um, one of them is doing 3D printed rockets and one of them is using off the shelf stuff, but in a really cool way to, make, like, awesome rockets. Japan, holy shit, their H3 rockets are killing it. South Korea is doing amazing shit. uh, Spain, there's a company that's doing amazing shit. I think next week, I'm going to take, like, 10 minutes, if you guys will bear with me and let me just geek out. I'm going to go over some really cool companies. For large rockets, for big rockets, there's basically nasa with sls which is a fucking joke there's spacex which is i've uh, that oh my god i'm so psyched there's blue origin which is a fucking joke their shit is all years out of date and and past due there's cnas china is doing amazing stuff there's japan is doing amazing stuff and Roscosmos, cosmos which is more and more becoming irrelevant nasa and Roscosmos are fucking irrelevant The big deal for heavy rockets is SpaceX in China. Um, But I want to tell you about some of the... For small rockets, there's amazing companies everywhere. I think Relativity, legit, could rival SpaceX in what they can do for smaller rockets. And I think they'll do nothing but push SpaceX to do better and to do more and to... Like, I'm so, so excited. All right, I'm going to shut up now about, uh, um, you know, but that's what makes Starship so good. It's not just, it's big rocket. It's, it's methalox rocket. No one's ever done that. And it's important because you can get that for free. You can get the fuel on Mars for free. easy. It's full flow stage combustion engine. No one has ever sent one of those to orbit. Both the Soviets and the Americans tried and they both gave up because it was too hard but let me tell you something raptor 2 engines they're gonna do it it's watch soon tm all right let's get off real life science and move on to thing week we got a bunch of tv shows to talk about I told you we weren't going to cover TV shows every week, but we were going to wait until we got to the season finales, and then we were going to talk about them. Let's start off with, you know, the opening song this week, you know, running up that hill. That's from Stranger Things, season four, the season finale. There was the two episodes that dropped just this week. I thought they were phenomenal. Really, really good. In fairness, I'll say this. Stranger Things Season 1, I think, was amazing. Stranger Things Season 2 was kind of two halves. The first half of the season was, eh, it was okay, it was good. The second half of the season was amazing. Stranger Things Season 3, the whole season was amazing. And now we get to Stranger Things Season 4. I thought it was really good. But it was kind of a step down from the previous seasons. I thought it was really, really good. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm not talking shit on it. I'm glad that I watched it. I enjoyed it. I loved it. But it wasn't as strong as the previous seasons, in my opinion. And I'm hearing things... Who knows how all this shit's going to go? It's so far away. But I'm hearing things that kind of indicate that, like... This next year, set, they set up for the next season. The next season will be the final season of Stranger Things. That's what I am hearing, rumor, whatever. I'm kind of okay with that. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking shit on it. I love Stranger Things. But I feel like it's a good time to sort of, yep, one more season. Let's wrap it up. And let's end on a high note. Let's not milk it to the point where it becomes embarrassing. Um, uh, go around the table. Guys, what did you think of Stranger Things Season 4, if you watched it? and I loved it. Yeah? Okay. Yeah,
6: I, I actually will disagree with you. I liked it better than Season 3. Wow. But I will preface that by saying that I am probably a bigger horror fan than I am... Almost anything else, really. So the fact that season four, without any spoilers, to me had undertones of like the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I very much enjoyed that whole feel to the whole thing. I, I enjoyed this story, this, this season, more than I have the last couple.
1: Mm. Okay. I Don't get me wrong. I thought it was great.
2: Just, I
1: kind of feel like... I'm kind of feeling like, okay, it's a, like wrap it up on a high note, is all. Did anybody else finish season four of Stranger Things? Want to hop in with thoughts? I am
3: rapidly getting uh, to that point, uh, just basically as I have any free time. Uh, I think I'm kind of a tweaked. Uh, I really like the suspense and horror aspect to this show Mm -hmm. a lot and i'm pretty sure that's what turned my wife off to it completely because she does she does not do scary movies she has bad dreams wakes up in the middle of the night and then expects me to understand why she's all upset when i'm like not even got one eye half open so um i get it that being said i think it's i think it's very well written i haven't I haven't really gotten to the point where I thought it was, like, with, with a lull or, a, or even a big switch-up. Um, I think it's had really good storytelling, really good flow. So, well, maybe that's just me. Yeah.
6: That's the other thing I would add, too. I, I agree, Wolf. The pacing of the season was amazing. I love the fact that the episodes were an hour and 15, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I think the last one was over two hours long. It allowed them to tell a detailed, intricate, and well-paced story that we really don't get very often anymore.
2: Okay.
3: 100%. 100% agree.
2: Anybody else want to hop in? I thought Series 3 was a
7: step down from Series 1 and 2, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what Series 4 is like, because everything I've heard about it is brilliant, so I'll be watching that
2: probably very soon
1: right on okay well that was stranger things season four i thought it was great but like i said if next season is like a big climax to wrap it up i think that would be awesome to end on the high note we'll see you know where it goes um all right let me pull up the notes real quick sorry uh next up we've got obi-wan season finale all right obi-wan this show got shit on so hard by everybody it seems and i'll say this it definitely had plot holes it definitely was a little eh, like it wasn't for me like holy shit this is amazing this is all oh, 10 stars oh my god but I thought it was really good. I thought it got unfairly shit on by people. I thought there were moments of weakness in it, but there were also really good fan service, awesome Darth Vader-y type moments. Pretty much whenever Darth Vader was on the screen, I was like, yes, give me more. I, I thought it was a really good show. It was six episodes about a half hour long each episode-ish. 36, 38, whatever minutes. It seemed like a little like kid level. It wasn't like The Expanse or whatever where it's like, Oh my god, this is blowing my mind! But it was if you just want to shovel some popcorn in your mouth and sit back and enjoy a good show. I thought it was pretty fucking good. And I thought it got a lot of unfair people... shitting on it when it was like yo man just just go for the ride it's Star Wars Star Wars has always been this way Star Wars is not super deep cerebral cerebral whatever Star Wars is a summer blockbuster action packed you don't have to think too fucking hard just enjoy the ride and if you handle it If you go into it with the right opinion, like where you're not looking to pick it apart for every mistake or continuity error or things where it's like, logically, that doesn't add up. If you just... Like, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. There hasn't been a single fucking one of them that wasn't absolutely stupid. But you just shovel popcorn in your mouth, turn off your brain and enjoy the ride. They're great. And I think unpopular opinion fuck it i'm gonna say it obi-wan was great if you just shovel popcorn in your mouth and enjoy the ride but i'm not the hugest star wars fan here that honor goes to tweaked for sure so i would love to get your opinion um like i said i thought it was awesome but i'd like to hear from you
6: um yeah mostly i agree with you actually i think mostly I don't, I don't agree that there were a ton of plot holes. What I would say is there were some moments that were cringeworthy as far as, especially the one female character, like bopping the stormtrooper on the head and it dazed them and stuff. That kind of thing was just,
1: Oh, and like two easy, minutes, two minutes after that, two minutes after that, you had the whole, I'm going to walk out with this jacket with a trench coat and a kid, so there's four legs. Like, I look like a fucking horse walking out with a trench coat and nobody notices. Yeah.
6: Yeah, yeah. there's a few moments like that, but yep. all in all, I thought it was great Star Wars content. You had some moments in there that we've only read about in books throughout <coughs> time, and they brought it onto the live screen. And if you're a deep enough Star Wars fan, there are a lot of things that they put in there that made... like jedi names that were on the wall which people don't realize that those names came about in the old legends books but those legends are no longer canon so to speak so those names don't really exist in the star wars universe until now they actually do that means they're back in canon so all in all i very much enjoyed it i i kind of feel like obi-wan's biggest fault as as a show was that it didn't take the route of stranger things it made the episodes so short that they rushed the story they didn't take the time to tell a deep intricate story that they could have i i get it
1: i kind of wanted to see more of obi-wan sort of protecting luke from the shadows and you not seeing it but i got to say like if you if you don't rigidly hold to like it's gotta be this and you just go for the ride you will fall in love with princess leia that little kid oh, absolutely she's she supposed awesome. to be like 10 or whatever but to me like she's a she's a little munchkin she's like oh you fall in love with her she's like oh it's like gary like fisher will
6: always be our <laughs> princess leia but this little girl is the perfect adolescent Leia. She, you can totally see how she would grow up to be the Leia we met in A New Hope.
1: If you got nieces and nephews, you will fall in love with this kid and be like, I would protect this kid. I would kill for this kid. She's so cute and she's so earnest and like, I love um... What the fuck is his name? I love Jimmy Smits and his wife in this as the adopted parents of Luke and Leia and you just... It's heartbreaking knowing their future and knowing like how much they love this child that they adopted and, and, and you know, will, would, would do anything to protect. I, I don't know. I, I think, again, you probably saw on 90 different places, "This is dog shit. Don't watch it. You should hate it. Fuck all that noise. Turn off your brain, shovel popcorn in your mouth. Enjoy the ride. It's a really good ride. You'll have fun. It's six episodes, five or yeah, five or six episodes, a half hour each. You could literally watch it in the course of one movie. You could watch it in three hours, and like back to back to back. Don't question it too much. Don't watch all the YouTube videos that tell you a thousand reasons why to hate it. Just shovel some popcorn. Enjoy a good ride. Uh, the little girl is absolutely adorable. Jimmy Smiths and his wife as the adopted parents are phenomenal. Obi Wan, what the Ewan McGregor? Love that guy. The fucking uh, <clears throat> what the hell is the Indian dude from uh, 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 Silicon Valley? Love that guy. The, the the even the the even the the chick that. You know, is 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 chasing them and whatever, you know, has a redemption arc love. I I loved everybody in it. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. That takes us to Star Trek. Well, you know what? Actually, hold on. Let's go to the Man Who Fell to Earth season finale. Now, sorry, tweaked. I know this is gonna make you mad, but whereas. Obi-Wan was like, hey man, it's not high art, but it's a fucking good roller coaster ride and enjoy it. The man who fell to earth was high art. That is amazing. The show is complete. Go and watch it on Showtime. Steal it if you have to. Do whatever. The man who fell to earth was credible. The sh- the, it, it was the sequel it turns out yes it was i i was incorrect at first because i had to go back and watch the david bowie movie from the 70s which was weird as fuck but all right it is absolutely the sequel to the david bowie movie from the 70s the show was incredible where it ended the way that it flipped shit on its head for the season finale left me so very much going like, season two give me now please, I want now, it was incredible, it was thoughtful it was high art, it was the popcorn, throw popcorn in your mouth but it was also very very deep thinking, it it worked on absolutely every
2: level anybody else
1: Watching The Man Who Fell from Earth, want to hop in on this?
5: I've seen episode one so far. Very, very impressed. Oh. Really good show.
1: Oh my God. You have so much to go. It's so good. It, it just gets better and better and better. I. So, Chitel Egeophore, who plays um, um, Halliday slash Alien slash. Larva, depending on who you ask, uh, absolutely love him. He's amazing. Justin Falls, uh, I, I'm sorry, I forget her name. Absolutely amazing. Her daughter Molly, absolutely amazing. Uh, her father, who was the dude who was fancy from The Wire season one, absolutely amazing, and and played the father on um, on uh, Foundation. The the Apple. Uh, Plus Show Foundation played the father of Ward- Salvor Harden the warden <clears throat> absolutely amazing uh, and I really really fell in love with uh, Hatch the alcoholic loser lawyer who was disinherited from his families, but like he was so good where he would break down shit of like do you know how fuck this is Oh, my God. You have to see this show um, get caught up. We've got a ways until season two. There absolutely better be a season two to this show because I'm not joking. This show is literally just a half step behind The Expanse and how good it is. It's that good. It's almost as good as The Expanse. It is amazing. It is.
6: Really, but in a totally different way.
1: Yeah, no, in a very totally different way. And I mean, obviously, there's only one season of it as opposed to, you know, six seasons of The Expanse. But the level of care given to this story, if you're a sci fi nerd, if you're a space nerd, this is a show that you must watch. Uh, Alright, I'm not hearing anything else So we're going to hop on to The season finale Hey, Fist to Face, hello brother, how you doing? Good to see you Hey, Can, mm. can I try, just say one thing Oh yes, of, you absolutely know, you
5: mentioned, Right, I'm just, the, the Manifel to Earth is weird The film
1: Oh yeah, the just, the film is super oh, weird Yeah I did
5: Something
1: not need I just to see, go wreck it. I did not need to see Riptorn's yeah. penis That is a thing I could have lived my whole life and been happy. But Does anyone? Yeah. Just well.
5: want to go and recommend something to you by the same director, Nick Rogue. Insignificance. Okay.
1: I'll have to put it's it on my Einstein.
5: list. Einstein. Einstein stuck in a hotel with Marilyn Monroe.
1: Oh very cool.
5: And that's from about eighty five.
1: There was a movie well worth- there was a movie that was made in the nineties or whatever where it was Einstein playing matchmaker. To, what's her name? The girl from uh, You've Got Mail. The little, the little blondie that everybody loved that she was like... Oh, Meg she- Ryan. Meg Ryan. There was a movie of like... I, I, I want to say it was Meg Ryan. It was Einstein playing matchmaker with like her. It was basically You've Got Mail, but the conceit was instead of Amazon... Or not Amazon. AOL instant messenger or AOL email being the the thing that made you fall in love. It was was Einstein was playing matchmaker. So I'll I'll check that out. Insignificance. All right. Yeah. So uh, where was I at? I was at uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I was starting that. Star Trek Strange New Worlds had its season finale. And, okay, I want to be very careful because I know multiple of you have seen it all. We are not giving spoilers but i am madly in love with christopher pike uh ansel mount whatever that that guy's hair should get its own credit that guy is amazing he is phenomenal he single-handedly i think brought star trek back i am absolutely in love with uh, whoever the hell plays uh, uh, Spock. He's amazing. And his wife, Tipring. Amazing. Uh, Number one, Una. Amazing. Dr. Mbenga. Amazing. The engineer, Hemmer. Amazing. Ohura. Amazing. La'an Noonien-Sung. Amazing. Every last character in star trek strange new worlds is an a, an absolute knockout a absolute just one swing home run don't even worry about it there's not one single person in the cast of strange new worlds that i thought eh, that one's a dud but i like the others every last one of them i fucking love them this Star Trek is, and I've said this before, but I, now that we're at the season finale, I'm going to say it again. This is real Star Trek. If you love the original series, and you love the next generation, but you were, and you love maybe even Deep Space Nine, but you were like, eh, Voyager, eh, Discovery, eh, Enterprise, eh, Picard. Trust me. Spend the money on whatever the fuck paramount plus or steal it i don't give a shit but do me a favor please steal one episode and after you see that i'm right and you like it pay those people from paramount plus because that's how we're going to get more of this amazing show i'm going to say this now and it's going to shock people My absolute favorite Star Treks go in this order now. Star Trek Strange New Worlds, number one. Deep Space Nine, number two. The Original Series, number three. The Next Generation, number four. Enterprise, number five. And the rest of it, I'm not even fucking giving a number because nope. But those five are my top five Star Treks. And Star Trek Strange New Worlds, I'm saying it now, is the best Star Trek that has ever been made. A whole, like, season for season. Obviously, there's more seasons of, you know, The Next Generation and this, that, and the other. And I love Deep Space Nine. I love it so very, very much. But Star Trek Strange New Worlds, if you were to measure one season against any other season, is the best single fucking season of star trek that's ever been made i know several of you including chad have seen strange new worlds so hop in what do you guys think
4: chad the last episode to to say anything about the last episode is to give away the last episode It is so complex Mm -hmm. and is based on an original episode from tos Mm mm-hmm but anything beyond that, it's like spoiler territory. But it's over an hour long. Uh, it it really was it was probably the best episode that, during this entire season. Lots of new stuff. Lots of, just a lot of a lot that they put into this one hour of TV. Uh, the production quality has been absolutely off the chart. Anson Mount's hair deserves his own credit, as you've said. Uh, and it's, it looks like season two is going to be even better. And it ties, it ties, it, it grounds it more in the Star Trek universe as a whole. So we'll see where it goes. And, uh, you know, that's hopefully they can keep it up and make, uh, some more amazing TV.
1: Hmm. Fantastic. Uh, Wolf, I know you were watching it. You're like 10. 10- Minutes away from the season finale, like the end of it, you're halfway through the episode when we started doing the show. Just not getting into spoilers, but just talking about the season as a whole. What did you think of Star Trek Strange New World, Season 1?
2: Wolf? All right. Uh, yeah. Wolf?
3: I just, there you go. Speed? is it working now yes all right everybody drink um strange new worlds is on my list i have not gotten through it unfortunately
1: wait weren't you just saying that you were half oh no no no, no never mind you were watching no from like, okay the next we'll, get to that. we'll
3: get to that we'll get to that all right well cool. and uh i finished it and the end of that one is hilarious
1: yes okay uh so uh shadow woman tweaked winter mute anybody watching strange new worlds I have just finished the last episode. I think it is very
7: good. And i like to echo what you said about the cast. The cast is absolutely amazing. They all know exactly how to play the characters. And they'll play them absolutely to perfection. Um, most of the stories I thought were very good. I did think they slipped up a couple of times with the techno bubble. But they okay. got away with it. Um, I had, for me personally... I had a massive problem with episode 9, and I didn't like that one. But if you see that... The storybook one? No, no, no. The Oh, oh, wait, wait,
1: wait, the the Gorn one. The Gorn one, yes. Okay, okay, okay.
7: Uh, Now, for most people, you probably won't care, but if you are a fan of a certain franchise, you will be constantly pulled out of that (coughs) episode, and you will be constantly thinking of that franchise and not what... Can down down I can episode?
1: Can I push back on oh, you on that, Shadow Wyvern? Go ahead. Yep. And, and you know I love you, brother, but I got to say this. I love you too, Kai. Go on then. The You're talking about Kirk running around with a dude in a big fucking lizard uh, outfit, a big plastic lizard outfit from the 60s. I thought the Gorn in Strange New Worlds was way better than the big fucking weird Gorn in the 60s episode where Kirk builds a fucking you know gun out of a bamboo shoot a diamond and some gunpowder. I thought like the gorn in Strange New Worlds legitimately fucking terrified me. The gorn in Strange New Worlds were basically just a reskin of alien and like that was terrifying. You yeah, really see, yeah. you really think you prefer the gorn from the 60s episode? No, um if you're going to do something that is clearly
7: reminiscent of another franchise's monster, you need to shoot it really carefully as a director, and you need to make sure that there's no direct comparisons between scenes in the movie that your creature is familiar with
6: so an alien.
7: For me, yeah, and for me, when I was watching episode nine, I was thinking this is an almost identical shot mm. to this shot in this movie from the franchise okay but for me I mean most people you won't notice it because you probably haven't seen every single alien movie like mm. 20 times but i have so i when i was watching it, i was thinking i was constantly like rolling out of the episode i was thinking okay. this is just the ripoff of that thing so for me episode 9 i just couldn't i absolutely hated it but 99 percent of people won't pick up on that and for them they'll probably think it's great But for me, I think they let themselves down because they could have done it cleverly if they just shot it cleverly. If the director thought, okay, we've got this thing. It's going to look like this film from the 70s and 80s that a lot of people recognize. We need to make sure we shoot it so it doesn't look like that film. And if they handled it that way, then it would be great. But they didn't. They went for the full-on homage, more or less. And so for me, I just thought, no, do your own shit. You've got a good monster. You need to do your <clears> own <throat> shit. you Star Trek. You don't need to latch onto another <laughs> franchise, you know? I get it. So that's the only issue I really have with it. But every other episode I thought was good. I mm. uh, thought the plots were interesting and different enough. There's a couple of things I wish they'd extended into Series 2, like, I uh, don't want to do spoilers, but the Doctor's relationship with, his, with the Doctor. I'd like mm-hmm. to see more mm-hmm. of him. Mm-hmm. And his situations, i like sh- that to be a lot, a lot longer plot because he's a great <laughs> character, and I want to see more of him, you
1: know. So um, I, I feel, I feel like Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. You had a first contact episode. Yep. You had a time travel episode. You yep. had a Gorn sort of whatever episode. You had a submarine feeling episode. You had a. How do I say this? You had a how do I I want to be very careful in how I say this. You yes. had a Romulan <clears throat> neutral zone episode. You had a sort Star of leaf. body swap episode. You had a shore leave episode. You had I feel like they did if you go back to the original series and you looked at like the archetype episodes that they did. Mm-hmm. They they did all of them. But I want to go back to for people who didn't like Discovery, who didn't like Picard, because you're like, hey, look, that's good sci fi. It is good sci fi, but it's not Star Trek. It's not giving you the like super hopeful, super like utopian, hey man, we're trying to, you know, we're doing our best. We're earnest. We're honest. We're good people. Strange New Worlds gave you all of that in every episode.
7: Yes, I mean, 20 minutes into the first episode, you'll know it's Star Trek. We're back on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I was literally smiling because I'm like,
0: great that's yes. a Star Trek, yes. you know?
7: So yeah, this is definitely Star Trek. If you have a problem with any of the modern incarnations of Star Trek, because it is not the show that you love during the 60s, 80s or 70s with the movies, then try Strange Worlds. World. You will probably love it because it really does go back to what Star Trek should be. And they're telling great stories.
1: Hell yeah! Absolutely, absolutely. Most, mostly good
6: stories. Yeah, I'm, most not, I'm not, I'm not all the way caught up yet. I'm still okay. only, I want to say, four or five episodes into the season. Mm. I really struggled with that body swap slash girl S- talk about our emotions whole Spark episode. Spock a mm-hmm. It was, in my opinion, awful, and it fell into the trap that Star Trek so many times through the years has where it's all feelings, feelings, emotion, emotions, wine, wine, talk, talk. And that's why I've always liked Star Wars over Star Trek. That turned me off a little bit. Hmm. The next episode was much better. Okay. <laughs> so I'm that's hoping fine. that was just an aberration. But so to be I mean,
1: to be fair, I, I wouldn't say it's an aberration. I would say you just admitted you're not a huge Star Trek fan. You're more of a Star Wars fan. For people well, who no, are Star Trek fans. You can fans,
6: be a fan of both, though. You can okay. be a fan of both. Like, Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan, for my money, one of the all-time great science fiction movies, period. Okay, so I'm going
1: to finish my point now. I feel like for people who are Star Trek fans, because you said it fell into that trap that a lot of Star Trek has had, and you're more of a Star Wars fan, that's true. There are some people who are not Star Trek fans that might not like this as much. I get it, and that's fine. Personal choice is personal taste. That's fine. But I feel like if you love Star Trek, the original series, and if you love Star Trek, the next generation, you will absolutely love Star Trek, strange new worlds. If you are more of a star Wars guy and there's nothing wrong with that, this won't be as much your thing. I want to say a huge shout out to dark Knight DK 75. What's up, brother? It's good to see you in the chat. All right, and let's move on to the last two that we've got to talk to. Now, these two, they're not season finales, but fuck it. We're talking about TV shows tonight because we had like four season finales. I want to talk about the Orville. The Orville has been killing it. Killing it. And we just talked about Star Trek Strange New Worlds that had a season finale that was a you know, time travel centric episode and sort of the ethics involved with time travel The Orville uh, it's not the season finale but man their, their most recent episode which was uh, twice in a lifetime was a beautiful and super interesting and super thoughtful examination of some of the ethics involved with time travel and before that A Tale of Two Topas from two years ago or not two years ago two weeks ago was an amazingly thoughtful like that was the highest honor or 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 how do I say it? the highest credit that i can give to good sci-fi good sci-fi makes you look at society makes you look at an ethical question that you're dealing with in your own society whether it's racism sexism uh or in this case trans whatever rights trans ethics trans i don't know the proper way to say it but how you think about trans issues and it really gives it a super super serious ethical look and examines it from all sides and i've said it repeatedly but i'm gonna say it again the orville Uh, new horizons the season three of the orville they've ditched all of the funny funny ha 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 stuff that they had in season one season one of the orville was 70 percent hardcore star trek as really good star trek and 30 percent laugh track shit season two of the orville was 90 percent hardcore star trek and 10 percent laugh track shit season three this season that we're now on episode five ish whatever of the orville there's zero laugh track in there it is all the best honestly if it weren't for the fact that star trek strange new worlds is out and killing it the orville i would say is my favorite star trek it's that fucking good and The Tale of Two Topas, how they looked at trans rights and and the ethics involved with regard to that, both positive and negative from every side. They look at it honestly and unflinchingly. And the most recently, uh, um, Twice in a Lifetime, that deals with a lot of the ethics with regard to time travel so beautifully parallels, I think, some of the ethics involved in the Star Trek Strange New Worlds season finale. The Orville has kicked up its hard science. Not I mean somewhere between hard science cuz they don't they don't explain it. It's all dilithium crystals and, you know, standard Star Trek mumbo jumbo. But it's 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 ethically hard science. It's not technically hard science the way The Expanse is where they literally explain stuff or For All Mankind where they get into talking about you know how compounds work and how jet engines work and nerve engines and whatever but it's ethically hard sci-fi where it really makes you examine things from every direction and go like ooh, all right how how do i feel about this and how do i feel about that and both star trek strange new worlds and the orville walk the exact same and perfect, in my opinion, tightrope between Isaac Asimov-style sci-fi, where it's all about just the science of a concept, and really good, like, The Expanse, where it's about character-driven, like, really good storytelling. They're both killing it. So... I know the Orville isn't at a season finale. We'll talk about it when it does get to it, but I had to give it an honorable mention shout out because literally they've, ta- they've tackled this season suicide, ethics of time travel, ethics of gender, whatever you want to call it, issues, super, super well. No laugh tracks all really good scientific based storytelling and i got to i just got to say go and get hulu you know buy it whatever again if you want to steal one episode steal it but after you see it if it's if it's that good that you know that it's worth it give them the $5 a month support the 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 artists that are making this amazing content um who all has yeah, been watching I, the orville go ahead
6: oh i love the orville i I agree this season has been spectacular so far, and again, I'm probably one episode behind maybe uh, but I would say the Orville is a show that, if you look at it all the way from season one to where we are now, it's constant it's always been on an incline. it's been getting better and better and better as we go it's this season has it's, like you said, it's gotten a little more serious. The last episode I watched was basically a monster episode it's just it's been good it's it's been high quality good and you're right they touched the subjects and everything that most shows are afraid to really dive into
1: the the monster episode you're four episodes back you're at the one where they had that uh admiral guy that came on board yeah you're like four episodes back they did a krill episode and then uh, the tale of two topas, and then twice in a lot. You've got really good episodes. And the other thing I'll say, tweaked. You're you're absolutely right and very astute to point out. They've been upping their game, upping their game. This new season that's at Hulu, they got a massive bunch like bump in their budget because the the special effects and the sets and the whatever are several steps above what they had in previous two seasons. Don't you think?
6: Yeah, I do.
1: Anybody else want to hop in on I see people are riding in the in the in the uh, uh recording booth. I guys, come on, Wintermute, uh Shadow Wyvern, hop in on this because you got really good uh, observations in the chat here.
5: Not been catching up on, on the oil bill because of course it's behind another paywall. Hmm. But very pleased very pleased to hear that it's got rid of the shall we say, the toilet humour that smut, that really pulls it down because it's always been a very very good sf show but Mm -hmm. it's been overshadowed by a childish toilet humor you know it's not um, american dad it's an sf show Mm
1: -hmm. but i mean if you notice the toilet humor and i i completely agree it was there in season one it was there in the first half of season two but in the back half of season two they ditched that and they went more and more like heart like on Star Trek. That like the, the I, I I challenge you. The second half of season two, when they ramped it up, it, it like they point-
5: did when they started looking into yep. Isaac's um, race yep. and the yep. fact that it, t- it turned into the a vo- complete battle for, between for for survival yeah. of um, non organic for organic beings. It mm-hmm. re- you're right. It really really did ramp up
1: in season three. I'm telling you that the new season that's behind the Hulu paywall, and we'll talk later, and I'll make sure that you get uh, access to all this stuff, uh, there's no toilet humor, man. It's It's not there. And not only is it not there, but they have upped their game. Like, literally, the episodes of season three are on par with the best of Star Trek and the best of Black Mirror. It's that thoughtful.
5: Well, I've said that this a Black Mirror to you before. It was an episode in season one that could have quite easily been a Black Mirror.
0: hmm Absolutely.
5: And that was my, my thought the second I saw it. Absolutely. I can't, couldn't tell you which episode it was. It's, you know, it's a few years since I've seen it. Mm. But it really was um, one of those episodes that ju- just made you stop and think.
1: Probably maybe something like The Challenge of Command, the episode where the captain and the first officer were kidnapped By aliens who put them in the basically a zoo where they were like put on exhibit for aliens to watch and go oh look at the little silly humans and uh what's her name the young um uh the young security chief had to step in as the commander oh disobey orders and go rescue them like yeah there's some stuff in, in in even in season one of the orville when it was sort of a mix between good sci-fi and silly humor, there was stuff in there that was still phenomenal sci-fi. All right, does, oh, it, does anybody want to hop in on the Oroville before we move on to For All Mankind, the last thing to discuss and then we're, we're moving on to stuff? <clears throat> Alright. For All Mankind, again, not a season finale, but the Oroville and For All Mankind, just because we're talking about all the other shows, I wanted to hop in on these. For All Mankind is fucking killing it. Uh, no spoilers. It's only like episode four or whatever of season five, f- episode five of season three. But so we're at about the halfway point of the season. And let me tell you something where they're going with the storytelling is again, I'm not going to spoiler it, but it's amazing on multiple levels because <clears throat> they set up a conceit where basically. You have two parties that normally would never work together that you now know for the whole season are going to have to work together. And there's some hilarious as the very end of the episode shows it. There are some hilarious sort of side effects to that. But it's beautiful in that you take two parties that you normally never would have thought would work together on Mars and they're going to work together. And that's really interesting storytelling where that's going to go. You had really good and like terrifying moments that had real like payoff as far as like it wasn't a situation of like, oh my God, everyone's going to die, but oh no, everybody was okay. Like, nope. Some people really paid the ultimate price as you would in space exploration. And. There is a conceit that they used in this where <clears throat> they set up this whole thing where, for example, let's say one group was maybe using some stuff that they obtained from another group, and as a result, it A, both allowed for the, the, the combination, the partnership that is now going to exist for the rest of the season, that you would not have had otherwise. You just never would have had it. But also allowed for a sort of Chekhov's gun scenario between two very key characters who are very, very close. But you know that eventually there's, like, that's going to have to pay off. Eventually there's going to have to be a Jacques moment when... Characters work out certain things, and they're like, Oh my god, it had to be this one that did this thing. And oh the storytelling that is in For All Mankind. And I'll say this: remember how we just said Star Trek Strange New Worlds is just barely half a step behind the expanse. For my money, this is just my opinion. For all mankind is a step ahead of the expanse. That's how fucking much I love this show. You need to go get that show. Find it wherever you need to and afterwards if it's right, go ahead and support it. Um yeah. I cannot Again, we're not at the season finale and we'll have a discussion after the season is done, but for All Mankind, I cannot say enough how much I love that show. Um,
6: yeah, that's a show my wife and I look forward to watching every single week. It's one of the few sci-fi shows that she'll sit down and watch with me.
1: And this episode, I know you haven't seen today's episode yet, tweak but holy shit, when you see the last like two <laughs> seconds of this episode, you're going to laugh your balls off. It's- oh, God.
3: I died laughing when I saw that. It was oh, fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, for- for yeah, all to mankind,
6: kinda... though, for me, just real quick, it's mm-hmm. one of the few shows or movies for that matter that has like no action per se. There's space stuff and there's uh, tension and suspense, I guess, mm-hmm. but it's about the characters and it's about the storytelling with that show. And where for me, uh, The Man Who Fell from Earth, I couldn't really get interested, it's total opposite for with for all mankind it's just so enthralling the story that they're telling that we look forward to it every single week yeah i mean i i i feel very differently than you
1: with regard to the man who fell to earth but i feel exactly the same as you with regard to for all
3: mankind so good wolf you were saying yeah this this the storytelling in for all mankind is is what makes it good it it's got excellent space scenes excellent space sequence the science is there all that but The story that they're trying to tell. There's long game stuff, mid game stuff, and short game storytelling that they're doing. They all latch together and intertwine. And it makes for this amazing narrative that just as much as The Expanse, honestly, if not a little more, I want to see the next one. I want to see where this story goes. Mm -hmm. Because while it has thumb corollaries to modern times that we're in now, since the timeline's caught up. Um, well, it hasn't. It hasn't caught up. To be clear, it's closer. The
1: timeline. It's closer. The, the timeline's not, not here yet. In for all mankind is you're at
3: 1994, right now. Four now, now yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's it's close enough that like, what's happening is more in everyone's sort of now memories rather than having to remember from you know times past so it's it's even more catching in that because you know it is an alternate timeline they are telling a story that is different from history but they are telling a fantastic story and I man I had to flip a coin if you were going to ask me which one I liked more The Expanse or For All Mankind they're both that good
1: I get it. I get it a hundred percent. Anybody wanna else wanna hop in on for all mankind? Just real quick, I want to, to, to. I've explained it before, but I want to explain it again. The the for all mankind is basically an alternate history where Sergei Korolev, who was the Werner von Braun of the Soviet space program, and we're gonna talk about him soon when I talk about the faces of Mount Rushmore of uh of you know, space engineering. Von Braun would be on there. Korolev would be on there. Uh Kuznetsov would be on there. Uh uh, uh, um, uh Glugoch would be on there and Elon would be on there in my opinion. But <clears throat> um Sergei Korolev was a Ukrainian Soviet who was the head of the soviet space program and when they were ahead that was all Korolev's work when they got up sputnik before us when they got up yuri gagarin in 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 uh whatchamacallit um uh why am i blanking on the name uh sputnik and what was it vostok why am i blanking on the name of anyways <clears throat> when, they, when they were ahead of us, it was all basically down to the father of their space program, which was Sergei Korolev. And then he died uh, after a surgery, uh, with complications from surgery. and it was that basically screwed their program. And then from there on, the Americans took over and we left them in the dust. <clears throat> this, the alternate history of for all mankind is. The Soviets never lost Korolev. They stayed ahead of us. They got to the moon first. They sent women into space first. That embarrassed the Americans, so they sent women into space. So now you have an alternate history where number one, the Americans are playing catch up, so they never stop. You know, the Soviets went to the to the moon first. The Americans go to the moon, and then the Americans um, and the Soviets both build moon bases. They both have men and women fully integrated into their space program in the 60s. By the 70s, they have full-on people living on the moon at all times in moon bases. And it basically is just alternate history porn. Things like Sea Dragon, which was a program the Americans had built up to send off these massive rockets that would be launched from water, but was killed by Nixon. The Nerva rockets, which was uh uh, nerva rocket was our nuclear space shuttle that never happened because it was killed by funding the soviets had energia and the n1 which was the same thing like nuclear rockets that that didn't go didn't happen because funding you know so basically what if from the time of the height of the space race of the 60s both the americans and the russians never stopped We kept pouring money into the space program such that by the 70s, we had moon bases. By the 80s, we had nuclear spaceships. And by the 90s, we were on Mars. It is an alternate history of what if the world, what if humanity had never stopped caring about space? Which, let's be honest, we did for a long fucking time, and it's a disgrace and so every episode of for all mankind hits me in the feels and i'm super excited i watch the episode and then i go to apple itunes and i listen to uh the episode uh um so chris i forget her name chris something she is the 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 young black woman who plays uh um danny pool danny pool who is absolutely my hero she is like as an astronaut when you see what she goes through she is one of the absolute heroes of this show she's one of my absolute favorite characters and when you see you know she she does such a great job and they they interview the people the writers the the actors and they talk about each each episode every episode what happened and they discuss it in in detail. I love that. And then I go down a YouTube slash Google rabbit hole of looking up this rocket, looking up this plan for a base, looking up this, this, that, whatever. And, like, all of the stuff, Energia, Mars, like, Mars 94 was a real thing. It was a mission that the Soviets sent. Uh, they, the Soviets have had the worst luck on Mars. They've sent, like, 17 missions to Mars, rovers and, and whatever. And all all of them had failed for the longest goddamn time um we'd had multiple failures but mars 94 that was the one that they sent that had a rover and it literally just crashed hard and made a crater into mars instead of like they just had some kind of failure at the last minute on their uh uh what is it trans mars orbital uh insertion uh orbit and they just made a crater on mars it was horrible but like there's so much stuff that translates into the real science of the things that we had on both sides set up and then eh, budget shifted congress fucked us the soviets fucked them money didn't go where it was supposed to both sides kind of gave up on the space program and just settled and it's just ugh. So when I see all the stuff that they did, I I fucking, I love this. I love this. All right, we got to move on. Does anybody have anything they want to add to For All Mankind before we move on to to, uh, other stuff? Nope. All right. I've been playing the absolute shit out of Subnautica uh, this last week and been loving it. Um, We're going to skip it uh, because we got to move on. We're way late. But I just want to say this. Subnautica is a game that's out. It's amazing. Great, go play it. In addition to that, there's Sub Zero, which is like the, the 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 sequel. And I'm hearing that there's now Subnautica 2.0 that they're talking about coming out. I don't know if that is going to be a third, you know, a second sequel, so a third title in the line, or if that's just going to be a massive update to the ignition, the uh, existing Subnautica. But holy shit, that is great. Go check it out um real quick on books i've been reading a lot of uh zubrin's the case for mars which is a breakdown he's the guy that led he's the the doctor that led the uh there was a whole big write-up for mars direct which was a a pilot program that had been um uh sort of submitted to to nasa and they talked about it um Really, really good book. Anybody, sci-fi books, go around the horn. Anybody been reading any good sci-fi books lately? Pop in if you got it. If not, we'll move on.
6: Yeah, I (laughs) I started a book uh, yesterday, day before yesterday, called Shadows of the Sith. It's a new Star Wars release, which I have to say, I've been steering clear uh, of most of the newer Star Wars books since they changed the canon stuff around because they really haven't been that great. Okay. This one, on the other hand, so far has some moments that would have played really good on the big screen. And what they're pretty much doing without any spoilers is they are fixing a lot of the problems that The Rise of Skywalker presented as a movie. Okay. If they if they would have gone with this book as episode seven, I think we would have been <laughs> in a much better place for that trilogy than what we ended up in. But yeah, it's been really good, surprisingly good, even so far, with some really poignant moments. Very cool. All right. Uh, Anybody
1: else got any books they want to shout out? I know. So the next after I finish reading this one, I'm gonna be hopping into a reread of the Three Body Problem, which is holy shit. The like we'll we'll talk about it another time, but really good, really dark, really depressing, but really thoughtful sci-fi. So. Uh, yeah. I got about
5: a third of the way through it, yeah, and then and then started reading something else. I've got it. I'm, I've got it as a Kindle book, mm. you know, I'm Prime read, so it's free. And then there's also John Scalzi's old man Old Man's War.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, Scalzi's amazing. Scalzi, all of his yeah. stuff is good. Then that Old Man War was a series. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
5: And I've still got to finish reading of and <laughs> Falls.
1: There you go. Alright, let's get into some No Mansky stuff. Let's start off with a little, little trailer, a little short. Uh, we got some people that uh, visited the place. Check it out.
7: Sauron, enemy of the three peoples, was defeated, or so it was thought. For some things that should not have been forgotten were indeed so. Such as Sauron's summer home built by Bionic Heart 70. The last less than homely house of the Dark Lord.
1: Good stuff. So that was Sauron Summer House. So that's a place that uh, Shadow Wyvern and I believe Wintermute visited and took some pictures. I just love visiting random bases and whatnot in um, Nomanski. It's always, always fun. So we'll have the link in the chat for you. Let me just post it real quick right here. Copy... You go uh let's talk about so I, I cleared the decks on no Man's sky we're not talking about anything on the Sky this week other than the expedition so the expedition ended last week on july 5th it ended on what monday uh no tuesday whatever um i sort of saved it till the very very end and then did it at the last minute i had a good time through most of it There were one or two things that were annoying as there are on any expedition. But, number one, I really liked the aspect of this expedition. I don't want them to do it every time where they did this, like, hey, you die and your shit gets wiped out. But it made this one special. It made this one extra, like, butt-pucker moments on any of the things where you're like, yikes, yikes, yikes. And I will say this. I've never really in No Man's Sky dealt with the whole eating thing. You know, I didn't even know. I've done, I haven't have done the cooking and the eating stuff other than a, some stuff I cooked and then turned into the, the guy on the anomaly. But I never really fucked with cooking and eating the stuff. I didn't know that that gave you health back. So early on in that expedition, <clears throat> I lost some health from just being careless and jumping around too fast and whatever. And I ended up doing 90% of that expedition with one hit point left like you know how you have the little pluses and you have like what eight or nine and i had just one but i had some shield left so i could take a little bit of fall damage just to keep recharging my shield but man i did almost the entire expedition on one hit point and that makes you super careful and super butt puckery on anything that's scary and Again, I wouldn't want them to do it every time, but as a one time thing, it was really neat and different and it was an interesting mechanic that made me really apprehensive and thoughtful, especially on like the let me tell you something I did the one where you know you raid the um the the derelict freighter I did it alone, and I got a freighter that had like the 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 little fucking the little Walking around eyeball alien things that spit out acid at you. That had me the entire time. I couldn't be more careful. I would go in, I would pop one of the nests, and back out of the room entirely and wait for them to come walking through the doorway so I could light them up with my little gun without getting swarmed by anything because I knew I lost one hit point and I was dead. Again. 10% of this was annoying as shit as is every expedition but 90% of this was super fun super cool and I did for the most part the expedition in one day it wasn't overly whatever it was a really good time Uh, I know that both Wintermute and Shadow Wyvern did this one so how about Shadow Wyvern you want to hop in first with your thoughts and then Wintermute can hop in I really liked it. Um,
7: I liked the concept of it. You start on this, like, bound world, and then you open up the expedition um, tasks, and, like, the third one along is, just die. You know you're going to anyway. It's like, what the fuck? And then you die, and you get introduced to the time loop. And as you go through it, it begins taking you to, like, your own grave, and you begin to learn the backstory Mm. about how you've been trying to hunt and kill this whale and every time you failed and I like that kind of narrative and of course when you get to the end you have to make a choice and to break the time loop you have to say to the wheel I'm sorry for trying to kill you and that then breaks the time loop and it was really I I like the challenge because when you originally started off you had really basic equipment. So if you jumped too high, you die, basically, because from fall damage, because it was on permanent death levels. And like you said, as long as you don't do it every time, it was a really unique experience being constantly terrified because one, one wrong move and everything you've done could be reset and be back at the start of the time loop trying to do it again. And it certainly made you. Every time you logged in, it was like, oh my god, I've been so careful. It, it was on your seat kind of stuff all the time. Certainly for those of us who played it on the first week when there was no basis to help you, no guide, you didn't know what the fuck was going on. Um, all of um, mouse phase five on milestones were all blanked out with question marks, so you yeah. didn't know what was coming up ahead. So, it was really, really tense stuff a lot of time. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the rewards were good as well. Did you have you the... Ex- got- go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. No, 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 go, go. no, 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 please. No, I thought the rewards were really unique and worth as well. Because at the end, you get your own um, organic <coughs> ship, which is basically a space world, to join your fleet. And you also get a, a, new, a unique cloak and a blow. Calf to stick at your base, so it was really well themed, a really well packaged together, and the story really like brought you along and linked it all together. It was a really well done expedition. It's probably uh, the second best expedition after Emergence, which was the Sandworm one.
1: Yeah, the Sandworm yeah. One was good. Did, yeah, so you, was really quality. Yeah. did you get the impression when you were kept finding the memory fragments and they would play the little clip of the oh, I gotta get it, I gotta get it? Did you get the impression? I was getting very strong Moby Dick vibes of like Captain Ahab chasing his white whale and it's like, dude, this is not gonna end well for you. Yeah. I mean that they were definitely linking it into that. <laughs>
2: yeah. It was definitely um pulling in from from literature like they've done with
7: all of them i mean space wheels is a thing for sci-fi games nowadays every space game since what them so that's and wants a space Wheel. Mm. so i think they wanted to do space wheels and the new boat and so then it's like how do we tell the story and they have jules verne of course so they can bring that in mm. and it's just them being really smart about bringing in a story that's Really relatable and also gameplay that makes the story unique, challenging, <laughs> and also worth it if you do it. And yeah, it's it fabulous. Beautiful. Well to Hello Games.
1: What did you think? Uh Winter Mute? I know you were uh, you, you played through it and you you and I posted I think around about the same time. I think you beat me by like a couple hours or maybe a day, but we both posted our complete. So what did you think going through it?
5: Well I actually finished it about two, three weeks ago um it was very very well done it's the first time i've ever ever, ever played permadeath or as they uh, it's officially called survival i don't think i'd like to do it again but extremely well done but i as usual i cheated there's no once i got (laughs) off the planet it was straight off the anomaly right where can I get some of my ships that I've got from Twitch drops and mm-hmm. previous expeditions? Sell them, make money, and get uh, get nanites. It helps, but the number of streamers I've seen do the same thing, which case of, well, it's good enough for them. I'll do it as well. But it's easily one of the tensest things I've done in the game for quite some time. Oh yeah, give you an example. It's it's tense. You know, I think very. Qu- I think I died quite early on. Yeah, you suppose yeah when you're supposed to die.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: I got to, just got to the um, got to the first anchor point, um, on on the first iteration, and died. <coughs> okay, it was only a couple of hours. Mm. Started again, doing doing okay. Um, I think this was, I can't remember what the actual time it was. But I just got on this on the second run, I'd just about to get to I think I got I was on the third on the third phase. It's a case of okay. I've I've got my exosuit. I've got my you know a stompy of course and right, let's go and get the eggs from the mon- from the um from the from the monsters. Oh
1: my god, that's and, the worst.
5: And then realised um well, apparently this might have been a bug that they sorted later, that being in an exosuit doesn't protect you against them, and died.
7: Nope, their acid goes straight through
1: it. it I hate now that. you tell me. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. I hate that.
5: Um, and yeah. then, I try- so I had to restart another couple of times, and I died two or three time- times in about half an hour. And my controller nearly went through the TV i was that frustrated so i i had a natural break anyway because i was going to be you know i, was, I said right it's on tv i want to watch and then from then on i played the entire thing through without any issues and finished it oh mm. no, all, all it, took me, it took me 20 hours so but I. Do... one thing that did make me oh go ahead one thing that did me fail fail a bit be- feel a bit better mm. I died at the same site at exactly the same st- stage that's that Captain Steve did. So I'm so it can't be that bad.
1: All right. All right. Chaps. That guy. I love that guy. He's so, he's like, Oh, we he think,
5: we think he sounds weird. Are we British?
1: Yeah. I, I it, th- that dude is, he's basically fucking Mary Poppins as a 60 year old British dude. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I like that guy. He's funny. He's brilliant. I, um... <clears throat> so I see in chat, people are saying like, wait, Twitch drops? Yes, uh, Dunkel. So, every once in a while, Nomansky does Twitch drops for their streamers, <clears throat> normally when they're celebrating a new big patch that drops. <clears throat> and it's like if you if you watch for 20 minutes you get a skin if you watch for 40 minutes you get a firework if you watch for 50 minutes whatever you get a flag if you watch for two hours you get a ship now those are account bound so whenever you start a new expedition you can go to the anomaly uh Spoiler alert! I also cheated. <laughs> uh, I did the exact same thing you did, Wintermute. I went to the anomaly. <clears throat> I picked up a couple of ships immediately sold because you can claim them on all of your even your brand new saves. <clears throat> I sold them and then I picked one freighter because it had like the maximum amount of slots, and I kept that and that's the ship I used for the entire expedition because. Why not have a ship that has a massive fucking number of slots available? So that just fixes your storage problems right off the bat. <clears throat> I got lucky. Number one, I had Shadow Wyvern to help me with advice and or help on anything that I needed. Although, in fairness, <clears throat> he did give advice early. He didn't actually show up for help until towards the end because I, I had most of it. I I, you know was just able to do it. Uh, I did call Shadow Wyvern over. I was like, oh, I'm scared. I have one hit point, and I'm at the point where I have to farm all these stupid fucking horror eggs, the little yellow fucking glowy eggs. I gotta farm ten ten of them. But I called him. I was like, hey, meet me at a place here. I see a thing that says Shadow Wyvern eggs. It was a base that someone made. I don't know how they glitched this, but it turned out I didn't need Shadow Wyvern's help at all, because literally... They built a base around the the, the horror um, <clears throat> uh, place. And it literally had little wall boxes around all the eggs. So when I shot an egg, for whatever reason, I don't know how they figured this out, but all of the little monstrosities, the horrors, they yeeted themselves outside of the little walled box. So I could just pick up the eggs and nothing attacked me. So that part, I did on my own. Although he that was, is he a was known,
5: That's a known procedure for dealing with um, eggs.
1: Yeah. and
5: you can, do, you can actually do it yourself.
1: Yep. And then... I Now, I had done the night before. I had done solo on one hit point. I had done the Derelict Freighter. Legit solo. And then, at the end, he helped me with the thing of, like, turn off the base and, like, kill... Twenty sentinels. Although I don't mean to brag, Shadow Wyvern, I think I could have actually gotten away with doing that one by myself because I had upgraded one gun type the entire time, so I actually had a very powerful one gun.
7: Yep, you had a very good gun. You could have probably done it
1: yourself, yeah. But, um, but it was
7: quicker if I actually took you to the sentinel pillar, so you didn't have to find your. That's
1: true. You you cut out a couple of hours of me wandering around looking for that pillar for sure. But-
5: I went to a base. I went to a base from one of the space stations mm. because I was just. I actually tried doing phase four, and then the anchor point at phase four. I very quickly realised you can't get to the anchor point unless you shut down the sentinels first. Mm. I've seen people doing it, doing it the other way. In fact, that's how that's Drew did it on his stream. Um, but the way I did it went to found the um, sentinel pillar. Cut it down, then that makes most face,
2: um, face four easy.
1: Yeah. Nice. Well, I thought that this was a very fun expedition. I've seen stuff. Wasn't there something, guys, on Twitter or something like, "Hey, there's a new expedition coming really soon." That's like Jesus Christ, these guys are fucking killing it. As soon as you finish one, there's another one ready soon.
5: I'm not seen anything yet, but I'm keeping um. I think we're expecting one either next week or the week after,
2: Jesus. because
5: they're ex- they're, I was watching a video um, a couple of hours before, um, couple of hours ago. Um, I'll have to put it. I'll put it in the Discord to remember where it is. Um, speculating what the big summer update is going to be.
1: Well, so we know that it's going to have. Some big new because the summer one is the biggest of like the new shit that when they drop, and we know that the the Switch stuff is coming in like October November or something that got pushed to the fall October seventh yeah, so <clears throat> I think we're gonna see that big combat more like combat update stuff and and I think we're gonna see that you know sort of Gem Hadar type guys invading from another. Dimension or whatever, but we'll see where it goes. I'm super excited. I'm loving No Man's <clears throat> No Man's Sky is the perfect game. You can get it on sale when the when the new stuff drops. <clears throat> they always drop it on I sale. I think it's
5: on sale at the moment again
1: for the same summer sale. That makes sense. I, I,
5: yeah, I'm sure I saw something that said it's on sale at the moment.
1: Get it on sale, play it, and have a lot of fun. It'll give you hundreds of hours of fun on the base game, and then literally just every two three months it's like there's a new expedition which is like a new mission module it's an update it's a limited time thing and you can play through it normally in just a weekend and get it done and it's it's super super fun <clears throat> anybody else want to drop yep. in anything on this uh nomanski before we hop on to star citizen all right <clears throat> wish they'd make the ships much bigger that's a thing that's been, they've been discussing about like doing ship interiors, so we'll see. Maybe that's coming in the summer. All right, let's jump on to Star Citizen. Let's see here. Show notes. Got too many things going. <clears throat> All right, let's start it off with a short little video. This is from Arity. This is Star Citizen Chill Out Cinematic to enjoy. all right that was beautiful I want to again i I love highlighting stuff on this show and sending people to cool people's channels that was Arity. the link is in the show notes and I just posted it in both chats Arity, a e r o d y that star citizen chill out cinematic it was only a minute long but or what three minutes long but <clears throat> that video to me it it was right up there with the the cinematic composure and shot framing and and musical pairing of something like you know interstellar or whatever where it's like these really good movie trailers where they just play a mood piece and you're seeing incredible views and some soft music playing or whatever i absolutely love that so everyone go to arity's channel Subscribe, like the video, support his work. We want to highlight and support uh, really great artists in the community at all times. So, uh, anybody have any comments on on that? How awesome it was!
4: Really cool. I mean, it just shows how far Star Citizen has come in its visuals mm. and its presentation. It's just mind blowing from even a few years ago.
3: Right on. That was visually stunning and objectively beautiful and that is coming from somebody who is very very much a utilitarian type person much to the chagrin of my wife (laughs) right on
1: all right so next up on the agenda we've got star citizen live they just dropped uh practical interactable an hour and four minutes long the link is in the show notes uh they're talking with the team that they make up all of the assets or whatever you want to call it like the set dressing the the stuff all of the the things doors and 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 you know chairs and tables and desks and all of the the little pico balls and the little fucking plushies and whatnot all the things that you touch and move and deal with um go and check that out uh next up we've got the Roadmap Roundup. Why don't you take over, um, I'll pull up assets and show them, but why don't you take over uh, explaining all of these things, Chad?
4: Yeah. So the Roadmap Roundup is basically a list of features that they have begun on development on. It's not like these are not in-game now. Uh, so talking about vehicle tractor beams which you're going to need for a variety of different ships artificial gravity we on a room by room basis With new armor sets you New know, clothing for npc shopkeepers uh, more fps polishing and expanded equipment capabilities swimming yes yeah, so that's big to swim. you'll be able to swim soon and more than just walk on the bottom
1: so this is swimming uh, tier zero, so it's surface zero. swimming only, but that's they're going right. to continue to expand upon it.
4: Right, so <laughs> it's the start of it. And it says, hazardous liquids can damage or kill the player. In other words, don't swim in liquid methane on, what is it, Cleo or on the moons of Microtech? Yeah
6: that don't, don't go in the acid water. On oh, Herston. the acid
4: water. Yeah, stuff that would kill you. But uh, yeah, it's, I thought that was fine, a funny little light. Uh a- pools
3: on pyro when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't swim
4: in there. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. a- acid lakes, um, sulfur. All right, so AI behavior for vehicles, uh, blah, blah, blah. More AI computer mm-hmm. stuff, like uh, for variety of, to make the world look, look more lived in. So eat, drink, you know, do go about their day kind of thing. Um, more envi- my environmental space missions based on the probability volumes. Uh, new interdiction scenarios. So instead of just being ripped out of quantum and having nothing there, it'll be more interesting. Uh, and then better FPS, physicalized weapon handling.
1: I want to be uh, very clear on this. This is huge because this is when you drop fucking mags, they'll be empty.
4: Yeah, so that particular feature is a point two release, ah. and I even tested it last night. So that, so what they're talking about here is more adding it, more f- to feel like more of a high-end FPS game.
1: Oh, uh, okay, okay. The
4: w- way the way the weapons handle, the way they feel, um, making you know, I mean, like Warzone and Call of Duty have a, you know, just like this gigantic tree of stuff, you know, these attachments to this, that, and the other. And I think they're trying to make it more, more of the, or sophisticated, like say, escape from Tarkov, um, and uh, so they're going to keep iterating on FPS weapons, and, and I'm sure they're going to add new ones in the future as well. Right now, so, the attachments pretty limited, and what you can put on a gun, but so, that will expand later.
1: So here's what excites me about this vehicle: tractor beams. You're going to have ships like the Cuddy Black, the Caterpillar, various other ships where you have tractor beams, and you can do stuff to either pick up loose items out in space and bring them in and or even for some ships pull a whole other ship which is going to be super cool and interesting the artificial gravity you can have gravity on in some rooms and turn it off in other rooms in your ship i love this As somebody who watches for all mankind and you see people floating through the ship i can't wait to have I'm going to have, my ships are going to be zero G out in space. So I'm going to literally be floating around like a spaceman in my spaceship. I love that shit. Uh, fuel rats armor. Couldn't care less. Shopkeeper outfits. Couldn't care less. Unified item, unified item ports, FPA. Okay. Whatever. Swimming. Super excited for this. The AI utility and commuter. I think this is important. <clears throat> I think it's, it's easy to overlook the importance of this. When you say like, Hey, some of this for the AI stuff is like they're going to go to restaurants. Your, your, your random NPCs are going to get off work and go to a noodle house, and then take the subway, and then go to some place and stand in line, and like go to a billboard and buy a thing, and then go to over here, and you know, go to the gym and go do stuff. Mission-wise, you know, if you've got a mission to rob a bank or to find some evil fucking middle management dickwad that works for Hurston dynamic and you know, kidnap him or mug him and steal his, you know, data card or his, 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 his security badge. And then use that to sneak into a place. Like it's going to be neat that these people are going to be, NPCs are going to be out in the world doing stuff where you can interact with them
6: in different ways. Um, Yes, yes. To me, that is the most important thing. That is what has been killing me with Star Citizen for so long as you go to these places and all the NPCs are just standing still or standing on chairs or just like I said, usually just standing still. (laughs) i have been playing red dead online the last week or so and one of the reasons for that i think is the npcs there they live lives you can you can ride the train around the map and you'll see npcs standing by the woodpile having a conversation or going to the bar and different things like that and it adds such a feeling of a lived-in world and i cannot wait for that to be in star citizen
1: right on uh wolf and then pass it around what do you guys think about these uh these changes coming drink okay not wolf how about
3: there you go drink everybody yep everybody drink i really like the uh inclusion of life into the npcs it's kind of one of the things that you know i don't spend a whole lot of times in the in the stations and whatnot just because i'm still learning how to fly and shit like that but when i go to these Huge installations where there should be lots of people doing things. Like, show me I'm doing something. Make it seem more real. Because the rest of it seems really real.
2: And it's awesome. Who am I handing it off to?
3: Chad?
4: I don't I I may have said my part. I don't know anyone else have any comments on this? Before we go to the next thing.
6: Nope. I think you go right nope. to the next thing then. Yep. All right. uh,
2: I think Kai's muted. Take a drink. Everybody drink
3: again.
4: Yeah, I think Kai is muted. Kai uh, is muted.
3: Yeah, nope, nope. He's like, others oh, keep on going. Uh, we we missed the cue <laughs> in the recording booth. You know the thing we're supposed to read, but we've all been drinking, so reading's hard.
4: Yes. <laughs> all right, the PU monthly report. So uh, these are things again that are for more technology than features that have been worked on. Some of them are coming in three seventeen two. Some of them will be coming to a patch near you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's see, there's, there's AI content, AI tech. It's a, a lot of detail. I can go over it here. More vehicle AI stuff, similar to previous one. Additional uh, facial animations, rescue, transport missions, uh, uh, motion capture. Uh, more art for ships and characters. Uh, let's see, there's the stuff about community, showing all the related stuff that's been going on for the last couple of months like Bar Citizen and so on. Okay, um, More stuff on the engine and Gen 12, uh, and all the details on that, Larger Cloud, rendering better and so on and so on. Stuff in Ring Commander coming, characters and weapons, just more features. Uh, then they have, they have a screenshot of a very, very prototyped UI for life support in your ships. So you can change what Gas or not gas or vacuum or poison is in a particular room uh, to control the, the interior of your ships uh, for atmosphere and for gravity. Uh, see features gameplay, salvaging stuff is coming, I guess you know. That will be, be in 318 in around September, assuming the schedule holds. Uh, vehicles features. Uh, just they're doing the uh, grounded vehicle uh, physics model. So your your will won't be jumping all over the place like a jackrabbit <laughs> anymore. That would be cool. If you, could.
1: you missed the most important thing in this entire... I want to get a bottle of this Three Feathers, and I want to make a mojito with some jalapeno slices, <laughs> some lime, and this purple potato fucking thing. Let's make this, and I don't know why there's a skull in the background, but I'm here for it. Let's try. You put jalapenos in a drink? I'm here for it.
4: Uh, it's the alien food.
1: <clears throat> Hell yeah. It's part of the
4: community, community thing. A lot of really creative stuff in that.
1: Hell yeah. Next up? Uh,
4: more graphics in Planet Tech, more Gen 12 stuff. Uh, then they show a f- picture of the snake pit now they've been working. So the Snake Pit was the racetrack that they made based on the uh, XGR XGR's uh, org, and they had a couple of artists. They they did they threw it together in two weeks with a QA guy, and you know mostly when they do community stuff, you think it's a fire and forget. Well, no, no, they're actually been updating it during the PTU 4.2. And they're adding lighting and, and other features to it to make it even cooler at night as well as during the day. And this was a proof of concept to take existing assets and make something cool out of it. And I think it's been highly success- successful. And I, this is <coughs> undoubtedly won't be the last thing they do with this or mm-hmm. other tracks or other community-inspired things.
1: And speaking of cool shit that inspires the community, how about the Siege of Ores and Positive Impact post?
4: Oh yeah, um, yeah. That has a long, a long list of things that they had to do to make the Siege of Orison possible. And I don't have it in front of me
1: a lot. I have it up on the screen right here. So new features and fixes. The uh, down players can could become desync. They had to fix that. AI ragdoll. When a player performs stop, it's a long list of stuff, but basically they cleaned up a lot of stuff with the FPS. They cleaned up a lot of stuff with the various AI interactions with that FPS. They put in new zones. <clears throat> they had different changed things with how corpses interact and whatnot, because <clears throat> there's bodies you have to loot, and they wanted stuff to not despawn at certain times, and there's certain interactions with certain vehicles. And certain assets where when you get a code, you can do all kinds of stuff. There were changes with the mission feature team, the lighting and physics and content and audio and arts and props. And basically every aspect got a certain polish tangentially, including the weapon stuff, so that they would be better able to present this as a fully-fledged product. So don't lose sight of the fact that when you're doing this event, this is a cool event, but it's not just a cool event. It's sort of a proof of concept, a tech demo, uh, whatever you want to call it, of them touching on a hundred or more different aspects of game development, and and different things that will pay off in all of the various aspects of the game that are they're doing sprints on and doing. Development on that's for this, but also used everywhere else throughout the verse.
4: Yeah, so this is theaters of war light, and a lot of a lot of what was in theaters of war is in the Siege of Orison. Mm-hmm. So they learned a lot from that, and then made it made this an a in-game event. Eventually, uh, we don't know if theaters of war will ever come to the, to Star Citizen proper, or if it was just a giant test for certain technologies. Hmm. They haven't said they haven't said one or the other. Anyway, CJ Morrison does have a test on Sunday and uh, on the PTU and Jump Town on Saturday. So if you have access to the PTU, you can uh, <laughs> test those there as well. And speaking of
1: testing, there's a little free fly going on. What do you know?
4: Oh, the free fly is. You don't get the ships automatically. You have to go to the free fly page. There's a little code you type in, get it to the verse, and then it's just simply pushing a button, and then you get uh, five, one, two, three, or six ships. You get a Cutlass Black, a Dragonfly, a Prospector, Mercury Starrunner, Arrow, and an Avenger Titan to use. Now, if you're already a paid player, you can still use this and get those six ships during the free fly event to use for free. They're they're unlocked. So if you want to put a, you know, if you want to try out quantum mining, quantitative mining on a prospect, you can Now, mind you, after the free fly, everything gets wiped except your reputation. So anything you do during this time is going to go bye-bye. But it's good to be able to do the experience without having to buy the ship or rent a locked ship. This doesn't cost nothing for anyone. Anyone can do it.
1: And to be clear, not everything gets wiped after this, your reputation will stay. So you can use an Avenger Titan, or you can use a Mercury Star Runner or a Black, go do a bunch of missions, rank up your reputation, and then after the wipe of the other aspects, you'll still have that higher rep, so you'll be able to get some maybe higher-paying missions quick to help rebuild that bankroll. Yeah,
4: there's even, if you... Uh, for deliveries, if you do missions for Red Wind around Hurston, the, that will be the group that will do the illegal uh, delivery missions of the Han Solo-type content in the Point Two release. Mm-hmm.
1: Hell yeah. And go get yourself an Arrow or a Mercury Star Runner or a Prospector and just fly around in it to fly around in it. It's fun. It's free. Why not? Does anybody have anything they want to hop in on these patch notes or the free fly ships or any of that stuff before we, uh, nope. All right, <clears throat> let's uh, move on to the next thing, which is the referral bonus. Speaking of the, the dragonfly, how about that referral bonus?
4: Yeah, you get a dra- you get a free, f- you get a dr- dragonfly if you have give someone your code and. They uh, sign up. They pay for the game. Essentially, they did. They did this before
1: mm-hmm. um, last year.
4: And then, yep. I think this and will probably
1: be a thing they do every summer at this point for a while.
4: Probably, probably. Uh, so, also, anyone can sign up with your code at any time, and you get referral <laughs> bonuses up until a you know a javelin. Uh, but that's like that two thousand or whatever. It's a crazy number. Um, to, to to like twenty forty two to get that. Mostly people look at that are streamers who put other their code and everything.
1: I can tell you this. See that right on screen right now? If you don't play uh, Star Citizen, you can join right now. You can use my referral code or somebody else's whatever. You will get one of these. This is a speeder bike from the uh, Return of the Jedi. This is a speeder bike. Guns on yes, it. Yes, It's, it's cool as shit.
4: They Fly around on a free re- re-
1: speeder bike.
4: They revamped the physics for the Huffer bikes recently, so they're really fun to drive.
1: Oh, yeah. Ah, and I guess we should probably talk about a little bit of money. What do you think, Chad?
4: A little bit of money?
1: Maybe $60 oh, yes. million dollars the, worth?
4: The money. So, as of this afternoon, CIG passed the $60 million mark officially.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. To be clear, they passed the $60 million <laughs> mark for this year. It made way year. more than $60 million total. Yeah. But this year alone, they're over $60 million in earnings. Wow.
4: Yes. So they're going to blow past 100 mil, no problem this year. And which destroys last year's total, which is in the 80s. And it's uh, it's amazing the, ga- the game keeps <laughs> growing in spite of the people who want to destroy it mm-hmm. uh, for, wa- for whatever reason.
1: Mm hmm. And I think, here's the thing, when you hear like, oh, that game's a scam. Really? Um, Look at how much it's making year after year. When you're making more money every year in a row, either A, there's a whole lot of stupid people out there, or B, it's actually not a scam for the people that look into it and go, oh, wow, that's cool. Um, Alright, and that takes us to our news that's hot off the presses just before we went live. Hit them with it, uh, Chad.
4: So, uh, the update for. Hold on. It the is J372.2. J, J, J Uptown. I think that's absolutely hysterical. Oh, yeah. Uh, because it's the Jumptown release. Mm. So cute. Um, so it is still wave one which means it's limited to concierge and subscribers if you really want to play it you can for ten dollars you can become a subscriber and get access to the wave One ptu immediately Mm. Um, so so currently it's still for people who put money in the game and some quite a lot so there's a jump town play test on saturday for 12 hours starting at 1500 utc and then a or some playtest for six hours, starting starting on Sunday at 1700 UTC. Uh, so the, those should be definitely be interesting. There's a whole bunch of bug fixes. There are a bunch of known issues. It'll be a couple of weeks before this is released, so I'm not worried about the known issues. Uh, they've made incredible strides in the in the acting the actor system, downstream networking. So that when you're with a friend, they don't look like they're tap dancing or like teleporting all over the place or hopping or it's just, it looks super natural. I played a uh, mission with a friend last night went extraordinarily well. Uh, I'm very impressed with the work they've done into making it look and feel like a, a true FPS. Uh, FPS is really a part of the game and not just just an add-on to a space game. Hmm. And they're putting pouring such a huge amount of work, which will definitely help with Siege of Orison because it's all nearly all on foot um so I'm very happy with that they have a bunch of fixes for missions uh for our stuff and at, at Ghost Hollow, which is the new reclaimer area that uh just a lot of a lot of little fixes a lot of little things going for each one and they're releasing these nearly daily now this is Friday, so they're not gonna release again until Monday or Tuesday, so that's so What's out now will be available for the for the weekend because of the playtesting and so on. <laughs> Hell yeah! Uh, but over overall, this is I've played a lot of Wave Ones. Wave 1s is Wave One is generally a mess, mm. an absolute like absolute disaster. This has been the smoothest, most playable Wave One I have ever played in the history of Star Citizen. They were ready for this. I mean, they're, they're sure there have been problems, but they've been able to rapidly fix a lot of the, the major things that have gone wrong with, with that were wrong on the first day. Um, okay. And it's only been about a week. And so I'm super impressed with their progress.
1: Well, I think we should hop into the Star Citizen discussion topic, and then close it out for the night because we've been going for a while now. So <clears throat> the discussion topic is this In 17.2 in the PTU, We've already seen that CIG has transferred over almost all, other than PO, other than Port Olisar, they've uh, transferred almost all of the pads to hangers. Now, there's a couple of aspects to that. Transferring over the pads to hangers are definitely useful in regard to setting up for 318 with your physicalized cargo, where you might have... You know, instance hangers and people spending an hour or two loading up boxes and boxes and boxes onto a C2 if they happen to be alone, or you know, fifteen, twenty minutes if they happen to be with a bunch of friends working as a crew. One thing that I haven't heard a lot of people really bring up yet, though, is that another side effect of switching from pads to hangers is this. CIG has been having a lot of people get, well, not a lot, but a decent amount of people get frustrated with pad ramming, corpse camping, whatever you want to call it, where people will wait for you to run out and you're, you're running on your way to your ship and you're trying to get in and open the back door and run to the front, close the door, get in the seat, turn on the ship and take off. And at that point, you've already been destroyed by a guy who pad rams you. This is a problem, I feel. It's bad gameplay. Because if you fly out of a hangar and you're behind the wheel, you know, you're behind the stick, and somebody attacks you, you have some power. You can suck and get killed, or you can... You know, do a good job, be skillful, and survive, and escape, and maybe even kill your attacker, or if not kill your attacker, at least get away. Can't really do that when you're just trying to get in your ship. You're running from the back door to the seat, trying to turn on the ship. So, this is a very, very good change, because any time you as a player get killed through no fault of your own, just bad luck... It makes you feel powerless. It makes you feel unhappy. It makes you feel that the game was lacking in some way. Real life works that way all the time. You get fucked by just bad luck. But a game should give you the opportunity to play well, and survive just about anything. <clears throat> Certain aspects of dealing with player sociopathic behavior should be handled by CIG doing things like this, switching from pads to hangers to remove your helplessness, or strongly buffing the AI of the space popo, so when somebody goes to attack you, the police are on them, give you more cover to get away. And those are basically one half of the whole answer to me, which is, Increasing the survivability of the player being attacked. If you attack me, if Wolf comes in and tries to murder me, and he succeeds because I played poorly, well, that sucks. I should learn and get better. If he succeeds because I was powerless, I was literally not behind the wheel at the time, and he murdered me while I was trying to fucking, you know, take the elevator up to get behind the wheel, Well, that makes me unhappy with the game. If I survive and kill him and or run away and live to fight another day, well, then I feel great about the game. I feel like, man, my blood is pumping. I have, you know, adrenaline. I was just in danger, but then I survived. I'm loving this game. You know, so that's, that's one aspect of it is try to give the player who is being attacked at least a solid shot at a decent outcome the other side of the game you disincentivize sociopathic behavior by number one making that behavior making that decision that you don't want to support have a low chance of success and again that's accomplished by having the space police and by you know switching from pads to hangers and whatever so that's Lowering my chance of success for bad behavior as a as a crazy sociopath player. The other side of it is disincentivizing me by making punishment, i.e., through the crime and punishment system. So you know, I kill Wolf, I get a bounty, I go to jail, I have to pay a fine, <clears throat> I lose the ship that get that I used when I attacked. I get that gets impounded. I you know whatever through the crime and punishment system but also as star citizen has a unique death of a sp- spaceman system which is you know <clears throat> the the cops i murder wolf the cops murder me i have now died my body takes degradation damage uh maybe that's oh i i've been an asshole i've been murdering people all week i killed tweaked the cops got me i took a little degradation damage i killed wintermute the cops got me i take more degradation damage I killed Chad, the cops got me I took more degradation damage I kill Wolf, the cops got me Now I've been an asshole all day And murdered 5 or 6 players And every time I take degradation damage Now I kill Wolf on like the 5th time And the cops kill me And now I get the message, the pop-up screen That says, your clone is not salvageable Good luck, asshole Start a new character Uh, You know, so now I'm the The son of, or the nephew of Or the daughter of the previous character and I lose, you know, 10% of my reputation and, you know, maybe whatever, 5% of my money. I keep all my ships. I lose a small percentage of my money and a larger percentage of my reputation. Now I have paid a price for being a dickhead to all of you other players of I've actually lost out on stuff. And I think that's a really cool and interesting concept when I first heard about Death of a Salesman, Spaceman, whatever, I didn't like it, but now that I think it through with some of the stuff, like, it could be a pain in the balls, but it could also be interesting to disincentivize poor behavior, risky behavior, criminal behavior, antisocial behavior, murderous behavior, whatever you want to call it. So, That's a thing that helps to motivate people to not make bad choices. But the truth is, Harry Potter is always going to be Harry Potter. You're going to have dickheads out there who just want to watch the world burn. They don't care even if they lose shit. They just want to murder you and farm your tears. For those players, things like this choice of switching pads to hangers, where it doesn't matter how badly you want to act badly... You have less ability to do so because, you know, now it's a hangar. You have to wait for the hangar doors to open and then go, okay, now I'm going to attack. But you don't know what's coming out. Maybe it's a this, maybe it's a that. Maybe somebody doesn't come out right away. Maybe the cops get there before, maybe whatever. But it lowers your chance to get away with shitty behavior. So I think that's cool. I want to open this up to a discussion topic. Everybody just hop in, talk about this for a few minutes before we close out the show. What do you
4: guys think of this? Cool. Um, well, they've talked about hangers for a long time and that this is part of the instancing where you're going to be in your hangar for maybe hours at a time doing things like cargo and so on. Of course, um, So this is a feature that we've ex- expecting. It did come early. I didn't expect it to come in point two but they retrofitted all of the existing stations and with the new stations, with these hangers, every station does have four pads, too large, too small. And you can just land on them without asking for ATC's permission. So if you want to do, just jump, you know, if you want to get into the station that way or just hop on, get repaired and jump out, that's fine. But that's your choice. So You have a choice between using the hangers or the pads. Um, and of course, in a hangar, you could be, in a fully manned redeemer and someone is in a, a, Titan trying to kill you. And then you just open up with your ballistics and annihilate him in 10 seconds. Um, but you know, cause you never know what's going to coming out of the side of those doors when they open up. So this will mm-hmm. definitely help in many aspects and further the development of the game and our goals for other, for types of gameplay that's not combat like cargo and trading and so on and so forth.
3: Mm. I am 100% for something that prevents or makes painful to the person who does it seal clubbing.
0: Mm.
3: I got no problem with PvP. You're you're in a, a dangerous universe. You know, that that shit happens. But there is a difference between just, all right, they're there, and then ram the ship, blah, 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 ah, ha, ha. Look at you, now you're upset. Versus you get jumped. Flying around, you're doing whatever. Somebody decides, I'm going to come mess with you. Both of those are different. Um, I know that there's the illegal gameplay and the the bounty hunting and game and whatnot where like basically you're looking for somebody who's been a dickhead and you're going to jump them and blah blah blah. So I think that part should go both ways. But for the purpose of just smacking somebody's ship that's sitting there on a pad. Fuck you. Like, that just... It hasn't happened to me yet. There's a guy who tried to ram me as I was taken off from a place, and I was able to see it, and very quickly thrust out of the way, and he missed me, ran into the side of the station, and blew up. Um, Gave me a, a little bit of satisfaction, but I was hyper-vigilant for some reason in this one direction that I thought I had seen something. And, uh yeah i don't I don't want to do that every time I take off in my ship that's um that's not relaxing, peaceful, enjoyable
7: If you're going to have um criminal PvP in your game, then balancing it is quite difficult because it still has to be a game for both the criminal and the victim, so hangers is a good way of doing that without breaking the actual game itself by making a play invincible for time when on the pad. So I'm all for this change. It removes the window where somebody can do a criminal act that because it's gameplay is going to seriously impact one person probably more than the other without actually making the game more like a game, if you know what I mean, rather than an immersive experience. Mm. So Hangers is, uh, for
2: my Point your solution.
1: Okay. Anybody else wanna chime in? This is we're closing out the discussion topic, so hop in yeah, now I with
6: mean, I pretty much agree with what everybody said. It's <coughs> it prevents somebody ramming your ship when you're not in it. Mm. It prevents somebody just being able to do it like like wolf was saying when you're first getting in and trying to figure out how to learn at least in a hangar you can figure out all your ship controls you can say okay i got this i got this and then you can plot your escape kind of but yeah it's just another case of cig being fully aware of the community of the community needs and of what their game is trying to be
2: Mm.
1: okay
6: good deal all
1: right well we put on a good show and i'm exhausted i haven't slept in two days so i think we're gonna go ahead and call it here let's go around the horn and get everybody a chance to say good night to the beautiful people and add in anything that you want to discuss for a minute or two if you've
4: if i've missed anything or left anything out chad good night beautiful people if you haven't <laughs> tried star citizen try it now for free uh, but be mindful after, after the event all your stuff will be gone except for reputation uh, but what you gained is knowledge and the rep can be used to earn back any money you've lost pretty quickly
3: Hell yeah, Wolf I just want to thank everyone for joining us this fine Friday evening and remind everyone to have fun playing video games and be excellent to each other right on Shadow Wyvern
1: Good night, beautiful
2: people. Bye-bye-bye. Tweet.
6: Yeah, like Wolf, I'd want to say thank you to everybody for hanging out with us for a few hours tonight. There's plenty of great games out there to be playing. It's a good time to be a video game fan. Hell yeah. Winter Mute.
5: Just one thing I
6: want to say before
5: we go. Throwing yes. back to Strange New Worlds.
1: Go for the it. The
5: reason the show really works is it's character-driven.
1: Hmm. That's an excellent point. It is.
5: It, the characters are fantastic.
1: They are. They, these are some of the best. I, I, honestly, I say put Cisco, Picard, Kirk, and Pike up against each other and you can't pick a bad captain. It's oof. They're all fantastic. All right. For me, I'm gonna say, uh, watch the doors and corners, kids. That's where they get you. Have a good night, everybody. Night all. Where is it? There it is.